Hey guys, welcome to the Bag and Boardcast, episode number 391. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 31st. What, what year? Oh, 2019. Let's get ready to read! And we always follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And since it's been a little bit since we've had a time to uh, record anything, we're actually bringing you a double dose of monthly look back. So we're going to be doing June and July 2019's books. Um, yeah, which we have a, a big smattering of things. So I'm not going to list them all now. You'll hear them when we do it in the main topic. But with that much books to read, we have to get ready. We have to prepare ourselves, fortify ourselves in the only way we know how, and that is with heavy drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm drinking pretty light beer. So, uh, John, you're drinking a heavy beer. What what, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking from Other Half Brewery, uh, which is out of New York City and now a second brewery in uh, Bloomsfield, New York just about an hour and 45 minutes away from Buffalo. And I am drinking their Chicken Riggies. This is an Imperial IPA coming in at 8.5, and it is delicious. You don't get any of that alcohol on it. It's got a beautiful citrus, orangey flavor to it. Uh, Super smooth. Um, For 8.5%, I've been trying to keep myself from pounding this beer because it goes down way too smooth. And it smells delicious. Very hoppy. I like hoppy. Chris, do you like hoppy? I like hoppy. Uh, My beer's not very hoppy, hoppy, though. Uh, The day we are recording this, which is July 24th, 2019, it's actually National Tequila Day. And I don't like drinking tequila, but I like drinking this beer from Founders Brewing that has been aged in tequila barrels. And this is Masagave. I had it on the show. I actually think it was the last time we recorded a full episode, or might have been the episode before that. But John posted a picture to our Facebook chat just saying that he still has a bunch of this in his store a couple days ago. And it reminded me of how much I actually do enjoy this beer. So I picked myself up a four-pack of it today. Uh, confirming the price on it, it was $20 for a four-pack at my beer store. Uh, I'm about halfway through my glass of it, and I have to say I don't enjoy it as much this time as I did the last time. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the last time I had this beer alongside all the other margarita or agave beers that I had in that episode was they had been chilling in my refrigerator for the better part of like four or five days. Um, this one is being served room temperature. That'll do not, it. Yeah, it's not popping as much as I wanted it to. No, so it's got to be whenever cold. We, it's got to be cold. Whenever we take our first little break on the episode, I'm probably going to run these into the refrigerator because they're sitting next to the computer here. Um, it's still not a bad beer, though. I think having this one warm, it's still better than the Funky Buddha margarita goza that i had alongside this one originally yeah didn't you um, drain pour that one yeah that one was not great but yeah it, it's still a good beer but yeah definitely confirming just like john said drink it cold absolutely and paul uh you got a science experiment going over there in your glass right yeah i have uh, a beer open and this is a uh, 42 north's indian pale ale 
Day Trekker. This is their uh, session IPA made with Cash, uh, Cascade, Cashmere, and Aurora hops, uh, and it's nine point uh, or four point nine uh, ABV. So it's supposed to be a crushable, uh, piney, a little bit piney IPA. So you know it's uh, not a big citrusy thing, but it's supposed to be a piney session ale, and it's good. It's got that hop, a little bit of the hop bitter, but not overpowering you bitter, not overly piney. Just I it had a nice, a nice butteriness on the palate. Hmm. I don't quite get that, but I get the mouth. I guess mouthfeel wise, it's it's got a creaminess to it. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like a, anything with a lactose in it or anything. No, no, no. Put it. Like a like a buttery Chardonnay. You know how that like a buttery Chardonnay's got that mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It's got like it's got like that. I yeah. thought it. Okay. I you know it's got a dry. It's a dry IPA. You know, just kind of leaves you dry. And, uh, you know, it's a local beer, and I think it costs, I don't know how much it cost me. Nine ninety nine. Okay, nine ninety nine for a six-pack. And uh, John is training to be on Prices Right. That's why he knows all the prices. <laughs> or I run a uh, beer store. Yeah, or that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if we wanted to say that on the show or not. Well, I think we have. We've mentioned quite a few times, times that I do that. Yeah, but every episode is somebody, somebody's first. Uh, and I, what I've been saying all year is that I want to really hone in what I like about beer, find my favorites, find the ones that I want to keep stocked in my fridge. And every time I have a crushable session ale, I say, yeah, but is it better than Founders All Day? So I, right now, I'm going to take a sip of Founders IP, All Day IPA because I actually have it in my fridge. Mm. No, it isn't better than Founders All Day IPA. Because you know what? All day IPA, going right from that to this, it is a little waterier, wa- more watery. It doesn't have that overly mouth feel, but it is more quenchable. It's not as um, that bitterness. It isn't quite as bitter, but it still has a nice hop uh, flavor to it. So uh, if I was going to crush a session a beer, I'd rather have it you know, a little bit more refreshing. I, I find that the day trekker is a little bit more bitter on the back end and uh, a little bit more drying versus this uh, all day IPA where I feel like, oh, hot summer sun. I'm actually drinking water or drinking something that's refreshing and not so drying. So, no, 15 pack all day IPA still wins. Well, I th- not- the, the 15 pack's going to win too because. Mm-hmm. You know, nine ninety nine for a six pack or sixteen ninety nine for fifteen pack. I mean, price wise, it's gonna be better. And if you are gonna sit down and you're planning on drinking several yeah. in an afternoon, uh, yeah, all day is gonna be better. It's a better party beer. But mm-hmm. I think uh, Day Trekker. I think it's got enough flavor to it, and it's got the flavor that I want in an IPA. Mm-hmm. Like for a session right. IPA for four for four two or four and a half, like, it's got enough flavor that it's more than just a four and a half IPA or a pale ale. And I think if I was going to sit down and have two or three, I think I'd rather have the the Trekker. Right. I I have a question is, but uh, last week I got out of work late. I stopped at the gas station around the corner from my apartment and I got a open cooler 
chicken sandwich, and then I went back to the beer case, and they had the pounder cans of all-day IPA for like $2.40, and I was like, yep, that'll work. I got home, and I drank half of it, and I was like, this is such a great beer. Like, it was just so quenching, kind of, not to steal Paul's word, but mm-hmm. it just hit right after like, a long day being like disgustingly hot in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, because my question is, my, my scoring rubric right now is not what I would order out at a bar if they were both on the menu. But what am I going to bring home and have my fridge stocked with? Because that's that's what the beer has ended up being for me right now. It's it's stuff to have on hand, ready to go, ready to drink. And I'd rather, you know, at that point, all-day IPA is, is going to be that fridge filler. That, you know, go to, get it, it's good have it on hand uh, it it scratches that itch that it's trying to that this beer that type of beer is trying to serve yeah i did that earlier in um, for, in memorial day i bought a 15 pack of jack's abbey's house lager just because that's, that's a solid beer yeah it's just a great beer just to have in the fridge or somebody comes over and they want to drink something there there you go this isn't hoppy this is just a beer it's a great tasting just beer um, but I do have to say, uh, Green Zebra from Founders is probably the best summer beer. Uh, again, um, six, I haven't had that since it came out. I remember it being pretty good though. Uh, Sixteen ninety nine for a fifteen pack. Nice, not overly tart, super refreshing watermelon Berliner Weiss sour, and it's not too sour. It's perfectly balanced. But the refreshing quality of it is just like, man, yeah, for for 16 bucks, it's sold. Like, hot summer day, Paul, you know what we'll have at the pool party. Ooh. I'm bringing a 15-pack of that. There you go. That's good. I have a four-pack of uh, Nimble Giant, as tradition stipulates. As tradition stipulates. Nice. Uh, and we didn't really mention it too much at the top, but, John, you... You remembered something that we didn't remember before we started recording. Hey, guys, we're 10 years old. Yay! Oh, hey. For real this time. Not like last year when it turns out, nope, it's only nine. Yep. Yep, somebody screwed up on that. Uh, yeah, 10 years that we've been doing this. Um, I think the first episode came out um, towards the end of June, and our second episode came out right after the 4th of July in yeah. uh, 2009 doesn't feel like 10 years it feels like 10 years it feels like uh, we've been doing this a long time i mean we well it feels like we've been doing it for a while but it doesn't seem like 10 years i guess yeah because we're at 391 right now so if we do the back of the envelope math it's like uh, 35 episodes a year yeah 391 divided by 52 yeah We've only been doing it for uh, seven and a half years. <laughs> well, hey, we run longer than a TV season. TV, TV season's That's 22 true. episodes. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing more than that. Yeah, uh, you're welcome, Internet. But, I mean, if you think back about, like, how many places we've done this podcast. Upstairs, downstairs, at <laughs> Martin Road Studios. Uh, Upstairs, downstairs again. <laughs> when, uh... Yeah, yeah, the well, Paul Paul's house. We did it in the kitchen on the field recorder until we got the equipment ready. Uh, then we were in there. Chris then moved. 
we're in two locations, then we moved up here, and now we're all kind of split up, but, you know, we've been doing it all over the place. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, ten years, guys. Hey, I'm going to take a sip. We've earned it. Yeah, Yeah, ten years, three states. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm opening my next beer. Our love of comic books and beer and just nerd culture in general keeps us going. And this past week, we had Nerd Culture Mecca uh, with San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Yeah, this is a Comic-Con that is slowly scaling back down. Uh, A bunch of studios are not, you know, not showing up anymore. Uh, Sony wasn't there, right? No. Or was that at E3? No, that was was here. At San Diego Comic-Con and E3? (laughs) Wow. But I don't think uh, they had anything really to promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel was there, but Disney wasn't. Well, Disney like, has their D twenty three Expo next this, month. Yeah, yeah, coming up. Um, I think it's like in like two or three weeks. So they'll have all of their stuff over on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Warner Brothers didn't do anything for movies, but did stuff for their TV. Well, they got and the um, Infinite Crisis coming up for all their shows. Yeah, uh, well, Crisis on uh, Infinite, Infinite Earths. Earth. Yeah, Infinite Earths. Because not Infinite. Yeah. Which looks great. You guys, if you don't watch the se- series, just go back and watch the crossover episodes from this season. They were a lot of fun. Even all of the crossovers I, I-, I really enjoy. Because... Uh, I just really like the chemistry between Melissa, you know, the girl that plays uh, Supergirl, and Gustin Grant, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy that plays uh, The Flash. I-, I enjoy it when they're on screen together. I just think they're fun. Yeah, and you got, I mean, if we're going to talk, just talk about that real quick, uh, Supergirl's got a new outfit. She no longer has the dress. She's got the like, full pants. Yep, because they say, uh, you know, She's, they actually shoot in Vancouver, and now they've moved up to Vancouver out of L.A. from season one, uh, out of CBS to uh, the CW. And she's like, yeah, just practically, it's a lot easier to film wearing, while wearing pants. I can <laughs> and imagine. They, and they also say for character, they, they, she wants to be more mature, more grown up, you know, closer to... You know this, the classic Superman look. Yeah, I have no issues with that. Yeah, that's no. that's fine. I don't. I care. don't think it's a good looking suit. Uh, it's yeah. still a nicer, lighter blue. It's not quite as dark as Man of Steel blue. Well, that yeah, was also digitally enhanced. Ah. Uh, uh, I did oh, see where they're going to have a Crisis on Infinite Earths thing or multiple Earths, where they're actually going to have Brandon Routh mm-hmm. coming back as Superman, which I think is kind of cool. I. I didn't hate that movie. It's not great, but it's not a bad Superman film. No, he, I heard he, he was going to be playing Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah. So that's what the I think the rumor is. He came out and he opened his shirt and he had the Kingdom Come S. Ah. Gotcha. Okay, that's where the rumor's so coming from. So I think from? that's where the rumor's coming from. But I do think it's funny that he he already is the Adam in that world. Yeah. Yeah. But multiple uh, Earths, you know, why yeah. not? And isn't it the there's a rumor out too that um, Welling from Smallville Tom Welling? Yeah, that he's gonna be playing Batman? Or he's gonna yeah. be playing a character in the, in it as well? 
That would be fun because in this year's or this past year's crossover event, uh, they when the Flash shows up in Smallville, they actually had the audio cue of who what Remy Zero or whoever. What was the name of the group with the "Somebody Save Me" song from Smallville ah. theme song that played? So it made me think for a second. I'm like, are they? Are it, they it going gave to you hope. That? It gave me hope and trepidation, and I'm like, that would be hilarious and also awful because man, that show was really bad by the end, by the middle. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. When he went, like three seasons in. Yeah, it was right before he went to college. Eric and I, uh, a friend of mine, Eric, because he's never been on the show uh, or bought a beer. It's a friend of mine, Eric. <laughs> and I. Well, I'm, that's the stipulation. I mean, yeah, that those are the rules. Th- them's the rules. Like I'm not. You're, you're on the it. show. You're a friend of the show. You uh-huh. buy a beer and you're on the show. You're, you're super a super friend. friend of the show. Them's the rules. If we ever had a Patreon. If you became, if you were a patron, you would be a super friend of the show. I think okay, over ten years, we don't have that many super friends because it's been yeah. Janet, Ed, Greg, uh, my old coworker Ben, Greg, uh, Ryan. Which which one was he on? He was on a episode, he, he was, and he brought us. He was a the, not, it was a not episode. Oh, not episode, but those still count, right? Yeah, yeah he they brought count, us a beer from Voodoo Brewery, the pork chop. Yeah. Sandwich. Uh, um, who else? Um. Uh. Well, I he's been uh Texas Wingnut. Texas Wingnut. Yeah, super a, friend of the show. Super friend of the show. Uh, Ed's brother, Chris. Aaron was a super friend of the show. He sent us beer too. Chris. Yeah, yep. Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. Oh yeah, I forgot about Chris. Yeah, he sent us Japanese snacks and sake, and sake, sake. which yeah, so works out to be beer. Friend. Yeah. Um, Caitlin, and he's been on a show. Kate, Caitlin. Well, I feel like significant others. Yeah, they're I, they're I, different. Because like Lexi did a lot too. <laughs> Especially like before I lived in Michigan, like where she would just like send me this stuff. Well, okay, she's... like I mean, actually, you know what? Going through listing everybody, we got we've, about nine. We've, almost yeah, we had more than I than I thought. So one per hey. year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I feel like we're missing somebody too. It's possible. I don't, you know, I, I really don't think I'm missing. Well, producer Scott is producer Scott. Yeah, producer Scott. That's that's a yeah. tier above super friend of the show. Yeah, because he's a producer. There, there's only one available. available. If this was a Patreon show, that would just be like that would be the stretch tier. tier. Yeah. yeah. So, not many people know this, but going back to when we first started doing the beer reviews. We would either come with a twelve pack, or somebody <laughs> would buy like four beers, like like the tall boy bottles or something. Yeah, and we'd split it, and we would pour into like little, like smaller than Dixie cups. It would be like little cups, it's like a medicine cup, like a medicine cup. And we'd all take a sip, and we'd talk about it, and then you could hear us mulling it over which one we wanted, and then that was the beer we drank for like the rest of the show. Yeah, whichever one you liked the best, or you didn't mind as much, like that was the beer that you got to yeah to take, it, and it was just, it worked. I know you think back to like we were just kings of variety packs at that time. It was such <laughs> a odd. It was such an odd. Ten years ago was such an odd beer time because the well, it was, beer boom hadn't hit yet. 
It was so weird, too, because we were just getting into craft beer, and even at that time, Paul and I, we did not like IPAs at all. Like We were just we were getting just, into beer. <laughs> yeah. We were <laughs> like, just like porters and stout kind of guys. Like We were just like, no, this is, this is safe. This is what I like. This is what I know. I was just trying to get into drinking at that time overall. Uh, you know, I... I drank Labatt, I drank Molson, I drank, you know, the beer that you start off with. And then Kate would laugh at me because we were married at the time, and she would come home and find, like, one single, like, martini glass or, like, uh, this, some, you know, stuff for mixed drinks, like, all kind of, like, in the sink. And she's like, what are you, because she worked the uh, late shift, and I worked the morning shift, and so we had different schedules. So she would come home, I would be asleep, but all the stuff would be in the sink. And she's like, what is this guy doing? Is he just making up drinks for himself all alone? Just drinking alone? Because uh, I basically was, because I was trying to find <laughs> my signature drink. Like, I was trying to figure out what I actually enjoyed drinking. And we were kind of doing that on the show. So, And it wasn't until years later that you found out uh, that you liked bourbon and old fashions. Oh, bourbon and old fashions? Mai Tais are great. Oh, basically every tiki drink is great. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, a, zomb- like a zombie See, zombies uh, I stay away from because they are just mind-blasting. You know, they're, they're just all sugar. Sugar and, like, overproof rum. But they're, they're so, good. It's good. Yeah, I like Mai Tais. I like a Mai Tai. Make, oh, I like Hurricanes. Those up. Yeah, hurricanes, hurricanes are good. Uh, hurricanes, dark and Stormy. Dark and Stormy is good with the ginger beer. Um, <sighs> and very sugary. Mojitos are good. But, man... Man, this is like a this is a gateway <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if you want to learn more about drinking, uh, watch a YouTube channel called How to Drink. I really enjoy that, and also uh, he has really good specs uh, for for drinks. He follows is that, a lot. Is that the guy with the plaid shirt and the yes. beard? Ah! Yeah, I like uh-huh. watching that guy. He's he great. does fun. Uh, he does fun cocktails too, where he's like, uh, they made this in a like. He makes the um, wake-up juice from Back to the Future. Yeah, he has two episodes per week. The first episode of the week is inspired by something that's happened on TV or movies. Like, he'll do a drink inspired by the Golden Girls or the wake-up juice. or uh, And then at the, I think his Friday show is a classic drink. Something that you can find from uh, the Death & Co. book or Trader Vic or, you know, a, just a classic kind of cocktail. And sometimes he'll make that cocktail and not like it, and then he'll, like, ooh, this is how I would change it. And it's really cool because he's just, I have, he has a team now, but he's, you know, he's just an at-home kind of guy that just has the stuff ready to go to make these drinks. And he kind of, he's never been a bartender, never been a, worked at a bar. He's just, you know. A guy that likes Does what cocktails. he likes. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's a good show. He, just like me, our show. This will help me step up my bar just, game. Just yeah. like our show. Yeah. And all the just news that came out back. of San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the big stuff over at Marvel, I do want to say I thoroughly enjoyed the Witcher trailer. And as someone that's never played the game, it looks really cool. Um, John, you're the Witcher fan amongst the podcast. I does am. It capture, does it capture the essence of the of the yeah. game franchise? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, not only have I played um, I played Witcher 3, probably one of my favorite games of all time. It would be in my top three if I really had to Ooh. sit down and pick. Ooh, what are the other two? Oh, man, I think... Dr. Mario. 
and Tetris. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to put the Borderland games together. Yeah. Uh, I okay. love those. Bo- okay, Borderlands goes together because it's a franchise, but if you had to pick one of the Borderlands games... Probably two. Which would be... That, I would agree. Two would be my my go-to. Is that uh, why they call it two? Because it's the go-to? Probably. Mm, I'm, re- I'm replaying it now. I, uh, I thought about doing that before three comes out, but I don't think I'm going to have time. It was free on PlayStation last month, so I've just been playing it. It was the Handsome Jack collection, so you got all the DLC, uh, and then you got the prequel and two, so it was great. Um, and then... Um, I would say Red Dead. Ooh, Red Dead's good, yeah. But Red Dead 2 beats that. I'd, I'd say Red Dead 2 would be my number two. Borderlands would be three, and Witcher would probably be one. Uh, see, I would have wow, to say... Witcher number one. I, I do, and just... You went from number three, from top three. It would be my top three, because it, that's where I would probably place it, somewhere in my top three, Without thinking about it, um, and then I've now read, it's your favorite game of all time. It is, and I've it's read I've read three of the books. Oh wow! I think three of the books. I, I would have to Two say or three prob- of the books. Number one for me would probably be Diablo three at this point. As much as I love Diablo two, Diablo three just plays so smooth. I actually I own it for Xbox three sixty, but I paid to get the whatever ultimate collection that they had on uh, Blizzard because it was on sale. So I got the actual game, the expansion, and then it had the Necromancer pack in it too. So I've been doing the most recent season of play with uh, the Necromancer. It's a hell of a lot of fun to play that game. Uh, The Necromancer just plays so sweet. And then I would have to say probably like Borderlands 2 after that one. Uh, Third one... Uh, I'd probably go World of Warcraft because that's the game that I just keep going back to. Like, like absence just makes the heart grow fonder. I haven't played it in a couple days, and I'm already like, man, I, I I need to get back in. I need to I need to do things. I need to explore Najatar. Like, and then I have to I have to do it all on my horde character too. Oh my gosh! Like, I'm falling behind. Diablo Diablo three, probably number four for me. And when I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was last summer, uh, the Necromancer came out and it was a deluxe package and it was like 60 bucks. You got the game with all the DLC and the, the Necromancer stuff. And I was said to Caitlin, I was like, can I have, can I get this? Cause I don't like to me spending 60 bucks. That's a big expenditure. Yeah. You want to like say, Hey, you know, is this okay if I do it? And if you say no, I'm still going to kind of do it anyways. And, <laughs> oh, I borrowed it from Chris. <laughs> John, what you need is slush funds. And um, Keep slush funds around. And she was like, well, can I play it too? And I was like, yeah, we can play together. And we spent the entire summer playing it together, maxing out characters, and then we go create new ones, and we play through those. And we'd be like sitting out on the patio having cocktails with my dad and she would like lean over and go can we go kill demons I'm like yeah yeah we can come we can, let's let's go sorry dad see you later sucker and like there would be moments like when i'd get home from work and she'd look at me like you know 
hand in the cookie jar because she was playing without me. And she's like, I, I only I only leveled up like once or twice. And then it's like, no, you leveled up ten. Like, what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, like, Diablo, Diablo was great. And that was, even Diablo 2, that was so much fun when the three of us used to play together. Yeah. yeah. Paul, you're three, or is it really, like, Tetris, Dr. Mario? <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, I, I have to say, ooh, it's tough. But top three, you're, I, you're I gotta, an old You're an old Republic guy. Well, no, yeah, I figure like, no, you would have put that on your list. It's that awful, uh, awful it's space Mass Effect, game. Number yeah. one, Mass Effect. Uh, that's that franchise. You, yours should you should probably be um, Mass Effect. Yep, Mass Effect. And the, then, the franchise number one. Go ahead and get you because uh, I'm going to say Mass Effect number one, and then you just constantly sing the praises of Old Republic. So I'd say that's probably your number two. Dragon Age. And then your your number three. Uh, see, he used to be really big on Dragon Age, where he would have I like get into Inquisition. I really the Inquisition was good. I I haven't played three yet, but I I need to pick it up. Um, so I feel like that somewhat sullied it for you. Uh-huh. you three is going to be something like you just have. To I love pick. that you're just picking all Bioware games, by the way. <laughs> well, but also that's what you pick. Is the there a paint drying like, simulator? It has to be some just weird niche thing. Uh, oh, see, oh, uh, what's a, uh, the with the portal? Oh yeah, portal's great. Portal, portal yeah. But it, he, Paul, like, Paul, like portal's too point. mainstream. Paul would be like Half Life Two guy. So those would be the top. See, three. I like Half Life Two, but uh, no. So my top three is definitely number one is the Mass Effect franchise because I played except, that except Andromeda, which I don't think you played yet. Yeah, I haven't played oh, Andromeda. Can, can I pause? Uh, yeah. The Star Wars uh, Starfighter flight game. Yeah, that is very true. That's probably number four. Wow, I, man. You know why? Because I kept on thinking. It's TIE Fighter. It's Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Do I put that as my number three? Or is it my number four? So it goes uh, Mass Effect franchise, Fantasy Star 4. Oh, yeah. that's a really, We talked about that like all night one day. Yep. Because <laughs> I was replaying it yet again. Those are my two most replayed over and over games. The Mass Effect franchise and Fantasy Star 4. And then number three would have to be original StarCraft slash uh, the Command and Conquer series because they were basically out at the same time. And it, it's all about, you know, just playing with friends online. Uh, that's, you know, the real-time strategy games. And those, like, I love them. I wish there was better real-time strategy games out. I hate what the uh, iPhone basically has done to strategy games mm-hmm. with, you know, up, oh, you can build this. Come back thirty-seven minutes later and see it complete. You know, or if you uh, have enough gems, buy it now. Yeah, yeah, buy it now. Like, I think it's ruined the real-time strategy games. I, I know they were never really top sellers, you know, ever. But uh, I, I would say like stuff like Warcraft and Starcraft, probably even like Command and Conquer. Like, I had Command and Conquer mm-hmm. three because I heard such great things about it. Yeah. I, out of the Command and Conquer series, I'd like the Red Alert franchise a little bit more. But oh, I, see, you know, I never played any of those ones. Those were um, the Cold War era kind of stuff. They were also, since, Tim Curry was in it. Since everyone else listed their uh, number four, just kind of like offhandedly, uh, mine would probably be Final Fantasy X. Like that's the one that nice. I think I I played the most and had to get like everything in. But hey, wow. Anyways, other stuff. San Diego Comic Con guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, well, we were reminiscing about 10 years and just letting people get a taste of who we are. Yeah, that's, that's us. 
It's good to look back, um, but sometimes we like to look forward. And do we want to talk about the big stuff, or do we want to do the other thing we talked about? I don't even remember. The <laughs> oh, thing. It's, pause. it's the cats thing. Oh, oh yeah. Are we? We're gonna just watch the cats trailer yeah, right now. Yeah. So, we? so they they came out. Was with this the, released at San Diego Comic Con? At the same. This, at the same time. It is the same time. So, okay. So this is not San Diego Comic Con. Legit but it's news. it's writing. Wait, wait, wait! I, I have oh, a pun. Geez. Paul, Paul. Yep. It's writing. The, I see it. It's writing the cattails uh-huh. of it. There you go. Writing the cattails. Yeah. Yep. When he said you had a pun, I knew the pun. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a like, good one. I did not say it was good. But yeah, I, I'm uh, like, they, yeah, they I came see. out with the trailer for the live action cats movie, where it's a bunch of. Actors being CGI enhanced to portray the characters of the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, which I've never seen, so I have no frame of reference going into this, except I know the song Memories from it. Because uh, of Big. The only thing I really know about Cats is just based off of the episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where Titus tries to like sneak into the cast of Cats so he can like prove a kid wrong. Um that's the only experience I have with cats, so I kind of look forward to seeing this, especially knowing how much people are talking about it being a train wreck. All right. Uh, can I also say, can we also watch the Jojo Rabbit trailer, which is... Wait, I don't even know what that is, so It yeah. is the new... Yep. It's the new... Uh, I'm like, I am buzzed in a... Tiki? Why Tiki? Yes, his next Oh, that's movie. where he's Hitler? Yeah, he plays yes. Hitler. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, but so... he's the imaginary friend of a kid? Yep. Something like All right, that. So let's talk about, uh, let's watch Cats. We'll talk about that, and then we can do Jojo Rabbit. Okay. All right. Okay, live, so. Live reactions. If you, guys are, if you guys are listening at home or in your car, pull over, grab a <laughs> beer, watch the Cats trailer, and continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so are we ready to, to discuss yeah, because this holiday season, I will believe. I don't okay, know what. Okay, so, so they're cats. They live in the real world because things seem to be to scale to them, like when they're throwing feathers around on a bed. But then at one scene, they're in front of like a, a milk, milk bar. A milk bar. <laughs> but not not like a candy bar. It's like a legit like neon sign that says milk bar. And, they, and they're sparkly uh, containers filled with catnip that Taylor Swift cat. Taylor Swift. There's yeah. a way to portmanteau it, and I'm not getting it right at now. No, I, I I can pick that up, but yeah, yeah, it, it's sprinkling, um, and it's like, well, they humans wouldn't make that, can? Like, so I, I feel like yes, the CGI is not great, but it could just be early versions of it where things get tightened up because yeah, I don't think I think this. I is I it. don't. I it, it's possible, but. Uh, there's this, like, first of all, the cast is crazy. Like, I knew some of these people were in it, but then Idris Elba mm-hmm. and, um, Ian McKellen were the two that I was like, what? Like, I knew and I have to say, when they zoomed up on Idris Elba, and I'm like, oh man, this is the first time he's not gonna look like a bad, uh, wait, no, he still does look like a bad ass. <laughs> uh, well, he's got a cool, he's got a duster and a fedora and scarves. I, I was like, I'm like... But- I'm like, this is lame. This is. This it, no- I I didn't know Judy Dench was in it, but then it, when I saw a Judy Dench cat, I was like, is that Judy Dench? <laughs> yeah. Before uh, the names came, I'm like, that looks like Judy Dench. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a solid cast. I can't. 
I can't dispute that. I mean, there's some pedigree behind it because I uh, I liked the King's Speech. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, Les Mis, even though it's not fantastic. I still enjoyed it. Um, I don't know much else about this movie except, like, yeah, I am very confused by it. I, I liked how they even were like... Uh choreography done by the guy from Hamilton and you're like Hamilton isn't even a movie <laughs> it's like they're just pulling out every name they can any kind of big thing they can um, on that list ooh, speaking about big names on the list T.S. Eliot did he do something for cats that I was unaware of because it was like based on the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber and T.S. Eliot I, I really don't know. It's uh, uh, a poetry collection. Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats is what Andrew Lloyd Webber based his musical off of. Okay, so he read the book and then was like, oh, I like this. He said, I'm Andrew Lloyd Webber. I can make a musical about cats. Why doesn't somebody make a musical about Neil uh, Neil Gaiman's one issue from Sandman about the cats? Because that, that's a really good story, and that was a really good story. I'm probably glad a they better musical. Done it yet. Probably a better musical than the cats musical. I, but Paul, it has Taylor Swift in it. And before the show, I no. said it, this is going to be what turns Paul into a furry. Does that statement still stand? <laughs> like looking i'm like wait which one's taylor swift yeah i couldn't tell until they popped her name up next to a cat yeah and i'm like and even then i'm like was that taylor swift who knows like is that a big role for her i don't know she's the first listing on my google search for actor uh people that are in that music in that show but google knows who i am and will of course populate taylor swift as the first result pretty much no matter what you search for it just pops up did you mean taylor swift (laughs) yeah i i'm searching for a cleaning product to get rid of the dust around my house and it says did you mean taylor swift you know i'm looking for (laughs) taylor swifters (laughs) yeah that's a missed marketing opportunity right it's it's one of those things and because paul after you're finished dusting you know what you do you shake shake it it off i know See, you, you get yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, not, they're not all winners. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. When I, they're aimed at me, they're never a winner. I feel but like I still this like movie em. will probably still do well. It'll but do. There's just like, there's, there's a clip. There's definitely like, some Cats fans out there. But yeah, it's, watching that, it's, it's odd. It's just odd but looking. There's, when it, it's kind of towards the end of the trailer, but it kind of closes in on Jennifer Hudson as she's singing, and just the face doesn't really seem to match up with everything else that's going on around it. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of like, well, maybe this is just like, oh, they're still working on it, but here's what they have kind of built enough to show, like, oh no, you're you're going to see the actors as cats. Well, instead of doing like practical makeup on them they're using like yeah. a snapchat filter to make everyone look like cats mm-hmm. which and i, I don't even I don't know, know why if... they didn't go that route with with not doing like the practical because that's all like the musical is it's like people just wearing like raggedy clothes with with cat ears and yeah. a little no like a painted nose but again not that i've i've seen it like but this doesn't make me want to see it though either no it's it's bizarre like even that opening scene where it's like 
the shadowy figures of just like human beings on all fours acting like cats running down an alley. It's it's just even then you're just like ooh, ooh, that's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I will say something I do know about Marvel Phase Four. Wait, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the oh, we're gonna do the JoJo. Yeah, so we're gonna take another pause. Hey, pull your car over again. See that gas uh, gas station across the street? Stop over there. Get a beer. You know what? I like I like that Taiko Itd's like. Hey, you know what? Let's take Moonrise Kingdom, but make it fun. Adding Hitler, <laughs> it's it's not only adding Hitler, but Hitler Youth. Like it's it, I, it's it's Wes Anderson, but just mm-hmm. completely bafflingly like ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see that. It looks super fun, especially with uh, Watiki playing uh, Hitler. Because he looks pretty good. as He looks pretty convincing, Hitler. But at the end when he's talking to the little kid and then he's like, look at me. Like, uh, also points for Sam Rockwell. And then they show him for a second, but I'm like, oh, that guy's freakishly tall. That's Stephen Merchant. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson's in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody wants to be in his movies now. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about well, that in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, <laughs> it looks fun. It looks a lot of fun. It looks it looks like something that... Uh, it's a rare occasion at this point now with having uh, next week a seven-month-old that I get out to the movies. Uh, we kind of make it happen for all the, the car- comic book movies, the movies that I'm really interested in seeing and my wife likes to see. And we get a little babysitter, but this definitely seems like one I want to get out and see. Yeah, I really feel like, you know, we forgot that Nazis could be a lot of fun, you know. You know, not since Mel Brooks, you know. Well, since, I would say life is beautiful, even. Roberto Bernini, he just, he made the Holocaust fun. Yeah, but he was fun. They haven't been fun since. The Nazis weren't fun. He was fun. Yeah. I don't. I think the Nazis haven't been fun since they started marching in our streets again. Yeah. You know? Ooh. Uh, ooh. Ooh. So, you know, that's why I kind of like, ooh, this would be a great movie like seven, eight years ago. But, man, this whole cult of personality, like us, lap, you know, I don't know. I just, well, I'm just not in the mood. Uh, <laughs> just not in the mood. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get political or anything. Ta- but. No, Taiko AC, he he likes doing weird fringe movies. He was on the short list of people to do the animated movies about uh, Michael Jackson's Chimpanzee Bubbles. Bubbles. Like, yeah. that was a thing that was supposed to happen, and he was, like, front of the pack for that. So he's just, he has a weird sensibility about him that it seems like he can just make the unapproachable fun mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's and he's he's but what a quality he's still working on the akira live action movie um but he's still well yeah he he kind of fighting with the studio because he's like no i want to use a bunch of asian teens that are unknown and they're like well you can't do that we have to have known people and he's like they're asian teens people don't know them like you yeah. can't hire 
stars. You can't have Rebel Wilson and Idris Elba and everything. Right? Although he does have Rebel Wilson in mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit. And she's also in Cats. And she is in Cats. But yeah, um, do we want to continue on to the Marvel stuff, or do you want to talk about beers? Yeah, or? I think, uh, well, let's talk about Taika Waititi coming out. I know it's not in order, because this will finish up, I believe, Phase 4. Yeah. So we'll, we'll I'm finish. not sure if they I think this is just the initial, the initial Phase 4. Well, I think ah. this, is, this is pretty much what we have for Phase 4. Um, because the phases Cause they did, don't... they did tease phase phase five though. Did they say phase that was what phase five was going to be? Yeah. With well, uh... he he said uh, you know, and we still haven't announced anything about uh, Fantastic Four, Mutants, and Black Panther two, Black Captain Panther Mar- two. Marvel two, and um, something else. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy three. And by he, we mean Kevin Feige. Yes. Yeah. And that was, was that before or after the and one more thing? I think that was the and one more thing. We know the and one more thing was the blade announcement. Oh, yeah. so we're getting fire field. So let's talk about it. So beer. yeah, <laughs> we were through. I was trying to segue to uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, but let's just talk about beer because we're already yeah um, far, far enough away from. I'll kick it off because I'll be able to talk about this one really quick. Um, this is coming from Fat Point Brewing, uh, based in Florida. I had never heard of them before. This was the first time I had seen them on the shelves at my local beer store. Uh, but this is their Hoppin' Harbor Tropical Pale Ale. Um, and this is inspired by Punta Gorda, Florida. And this is their tropical golden-hued beer. Uh, Hoppin' Harbor will keep you refreshed on or off the shore. Tropical notes of mango, orange, and lime complement subtle spicy hop characters. Blah blah blah. It's it's a bare bones tropical IPA. It's not bad. It's not great. Um, I'll be putting this in the refrigerator with my masagave once we take an actual pause where we don't watch movie trailers, um, so I can get these start to chill. It's not bad. Like I think it'll be a little bit better once it's chilled down. But right off the bat, like I'm not getting any of that orange or mango like flavor pop that they're talking about but again it's it's not bad i mean it's definitely an ipa like it's hitting those notes and it's definitely tropical because i'm getting like a base like citrus pop to it but i'm not getting like flavor strands that i can pick out and i was so hopeful for this beer when you mentioned it because i'm like oh i mean but but it's not bad like honestly just initial thoughts on it the closest thing I could compare it to would be the uh, Sierra Nevada Tropical Torpedo, mm-hmm. which I would still put that one over it because that just had like a really nice tropic pop. All right. John, what are you drinking? Uh, so I am drinking another beer from Other Half, <clears throat> and this is Wangies. This is an Imperial Rye Cream IPA coming in at 83 uh, this is one of the beers they brewed for uh, a release they had in Buffalo years before. Um, other half started doing these traveling can releases. And from Syracuse, Rochester, and Buffalo, they had the best outcomes. They really enjoyed the people out here, which actually caused them to buy a brewery 
just outside of Rochester and remake it into their brewery. Um, the Chicken Riggies, the beer I had at first, that is something that is very popular between Syracuse and Rochester. Uh, the Wangies on the can are chicken wings with celery dipped in blue cheese. And this is the beer they kind of made for Buffalo. Um, so this beer has the same kind of nice citrusy pop that uh, Chicken Riggies had, but it has this great depth to it with this rye that really gives it a nice sharp edge that changes the beer up and makes you go, wow, this beer. Uh, We went to Other Half, Paul and some other friends. We went up to Other Half last week, and this was probably my favorite beer that we had at Other Half. And next to that amazing uh, coconut pineapple sour that we had at Mortalis, my second favorite beer of that day. And I do. I really enjoy this. Um, Out of the can, you get a little more of the alcohol than you would want. Um, Definitely more than the Chicken Riggies. The Chicken Riggies was a lot more juicy. This one's got a bite and lets you know you're drinking an 8% beer. But I still pounded this faster than I should have. And so fast that I was like, I'm almost out of beer and we're only in the news. I should go grab another beer. So I'll have another other half beer to review later in this episode. Ooh. And Paul, are you drinking another 42 North beer? No, I'm actually uh, switched over to Hamburg Brewing because I didn't want to go two in a row with 42 North. Uh, this is Juice Box Boy. This is a double dry hopped IPA with vanilla, lactose, mango, tangerine, and passion fruit purees. Uh, I don't get much of the vanilla. I don't get much of the mango. I get a lot of the tangerine and very little of the passion fruit. Um, this is good. This is a very orangey, tangerine IPA. It's, you know, juicing itself up. So it's, you know, with those purees in there. To kind of like balance it out, which I feel is kind of cheating when you're doing a dry hopped IPA. Like I kind of wish it was just getting it all from the citra hops. Those notes, um, I think it's a very decent, enjoyable beer. But for what is it, fourteen ninety nine? I sell it for I think twelve ninety nine. Okay, if you didn't buy it from my store, then you probably did spend fourteen. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. Uh, it, I think it's decent. I think it's good. If I was at the brewery, this would probably be my go-to pull uh, off the off the uh, tap list. But uh, again, I have to remember what I'm doing here. I'm comparing it to the water or the uh, the the watermark, which is the Sloop Brewing uh, Juice Bomb, which I was also you know pumped up with uh, some tan. It does have tangerine additives, right? No, uh, no, it's, it's all just a dry. It's just a dry hop New England IPA. See, that makes me even like it even more. <laughs> yeah, because it's not, a you know, it's fucking not amazing beer. It's a great beer for nine ninety nine for a six pack. It's the so best it should be, value it should be for 11 your money. It's eleven ninety nine. It's eleven. But still, it's eleven ninety nine. Fine, I don't know how much it is, but it's worth it. It's the best value for your money. My brother in law has been literally sending me text messages about how he found this amazing beer while he was in Ithaca. And I'm like, dude, you can get it here. 
And he's like, well, I've been looking on beerreviews.com, and it's only, like, available in Rochester. I'm like, yeah, because it's sold out here right now. Just wait. No, like, it's not sold out out here. Everybody's got it. Not the Wegmans near me. And not are you going? Are you going in the happen. cooler? Yes, I, of course. I'm. I, that's the first stop place I look at. I gotta go. I gotta, cooler. I gotta talk to Bill then. Yeah. Bill's not the guy doing out a good here in job. West Seneca. It's not doing his job. Are you, are you going on. to the West Seneca or the McKinley one? West Seneca. Oh yeah. Well, fuck. Well, yeah, you, you got nobody running the show over there. Yeah. Listen, I'll talk well, to Derek, the distributor, and make sure that they have a decent supply for you. All right. Cool. Because. You know what? That's that's the go-to. Like the, right now, that's the high watermark is the Sloop Brewing Company's uh, beer. So I, it's the beer that I recommend to anyone who's looking for a new IPA. The first thing I say is, "Have you had Sloop Juice Bomb?" And if they for that juicy, and if they say no, I say this is the beer. Uh, so Buffalo Big Ditch Brewery with their hay burner is the top dog. It is the best-selling craft beer in Buffalo, head and shoulders, oh, head and shoulders really above good. everyone else. Uh, I'm glad. To the point that, like, in a week, I'll sell 66 packs, and then I'll sell 36 packs is my next highest. Like, it's always double what I normally sell in any other uh, beer. I'm so happy you say that because I remember when Ellicottville's Blueberry Ale was the top selling well, craft beer. Guess what number three is? It's Ellicottville's. <laughs> it's Ellicottville Blueberry still. Yeah. Uh, but this is the beer that I say it's fifty cents more than it's fifty cents more than Hayburner, and it's ten times better. Like you're getting the best price. I like go. This is the the one of the best tasting New England IPAs for eleven dollars. When anything that's comparable to it is sixteen dollars for a four pack, it is the best East Coast IPA out there. It, it, not, I'm not always looking for an East Coast IPA. Sometimes I do want a good piney, yeah. you know, resiny IPA, and they're something very hard to find right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, man, remember that's when that's all we could find, and that's why Chris and I hated IPAs. <laughs> yeah, uh, but now I'm like, you know what I'm craving? A little bitterness, a little uh, resiny. Little uh, little hop, but uh, for the price, I always tell people it's the best value and the best beer in my shop, hands down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sloop Juice Bomb's amazing. Um, the beer that Hamburg put out. You know what's amazing? Chris's the beer. The slate of films. The films we have coming out from Marvel. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're we're an hour in, guys. Let's let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Uh, no, Marvel reve- uh, revealed their plans for Phase 4, and this is including not just movies, but also the stuff that we can expect coming out from Disney+, Plus, which they've announced before, but we got a little bit more information and images from them. Um, so I want to go through it chronologically for what's re- coming out uh, with first. Yeah, let's, to, let's see what's coming out through. being released. Uh, mm-hmm. First movie we know about, they're already filming it. We've seen uh, stuff from the actual development and production of it, uh, Black Widow, coming out May 1st, 2020, confirmed that this movie takes place after, uh, what is it, Age of Ultron? Uh, Civil War. Civil War? Yep. Okay. I knew it was Civil one of War. It's because um, it's, Tony Stark says, they're all going to come after you now. And this is them all coming after her. Is uh, that Civil War or is that Winter Soldier? When did they release that? Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. 
It's after Civil War. After the events okay. of Civil War. Yeah, because they have all the secrets from Hydra. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Looks cool. Confirmed we're getting Taskmaster via the uh, the concept art. Looks like Taskmaster. I'm kind of uh, excited about that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, also got... I'm excited for Taskmaster. It, def- it definitely is uh, a fun. And then um, Ho- uh, Hopper it? from um, Stranger Things is also going to be in it. Yeah. I'm glad it's fleshing out the character more and it's not just a flashback of her origin. Yeah. I think it'll be cool that apparently uh, they did release like a, a, a sizzle or some scenes from the early showing of the movie and they do go to Budapest so you see what happens there. But also it's kind of like in between. I wish it came out right after Civil War. <laughs> like during that phase then instead of you know now after you know spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen Endgame for the person that hasn't seen Endgame yeah that would listen to this show which is weird um you know a person like me I guess uh uh that she's dead you know yeah but now we're getting her you know kind of this cool story but yeah I think it's a cool way to kind of keep her around and relevant because mm-hmm. I, I would rather have this now knowing where we end up than before because it lets us kind of play around in that that time frame a little bit more. Yeah. Back in the good old days. <laughs> I mean, but unfortunately it does take a little bit of the stakes out of this movie as well, because we know this isn't how she dies, everybody. We all know how she dies. Yeah, but you go into a Captain America movie, or an Iron Man, or Thor, yeah. or any of those, you know that they're not going to die at the end. Right. Yeah. That's also true. I mean, we do have the the omniscience of being fans of these movies, knowing what's coming out over the next three yeah. years, so we can see like what we'll be getting more of. Um, and talking about what we're getting more of, what else are we getting more of? I don't uh, know the timeline. Well, the, the just, next. Uh, Good. It's uh, the next is going to be with DC or DC Marvel, uh, Disney Plus, and that is going to be the Falcon. Ooh, jeez, my phone keeps swiping. Falcon and the Winter Falcon Soldier. And the Winter Falcon Soldier the Winter coming Soldier. out fall 2020. Yep. Uh, yeah. the, the Disney Plus uh, you know, programming experience, whatever you want to call it, will be launching in November 2019. It looks like this will probably be one of the very first things out the gate. Um, we don't know too much about what this will be circling around, but we know that Baron Zemo is going to be coming back, and this and he's, time he's got his he's, he's got his purple mask. He's got his purple mask, and I hope at some point he puts a crown on that mask. I hope so. And he also took he took over the presentation. Yeah, he hijacked it. He tried to say the uh, the phrases to make a uh, Sebastian Stan, aka the Winter Soldier, go crazy, and uh, Sebastian said uh, that doesn't work anymore. At the actual, you know, event, uh, which I thought was fun. My friends yeah, I, in Wakanda have helped me. Mm-hmm. I I like these two characters. I look forward to actually seeing more interaction than, between them because we only got so much so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even though they are both Steve Rogers' best friends, uh, we we don't see them together too much. So, and when we have, they have great chemistry together. They so it's, really do. It's perfect to put those two together. They're perfect frenemies. Yeah. 
the the next one, which I kind of have the least amount of interest in, is Eternals, and this is going to be coming out November sixth, twenty twenty. I read the Eternals book when it was launched a few years ago, uh, being redone by Neil Gaiman. And again, going into this knowing like, oh, these are characters I should care about because they have weight in the Marvel Universe. I had no no connection to it still. And I do, uh, I do want to say, Chris, was this also because the art was done by John Romita Jr.? It was John Romita Jr. art, which probably affected a little bit. Um, I... I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm going to see this movie, but it doesn't have any kind of character or story draw to me. I'm going. This is probably the first movie that I'm going to see because it's just a Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have no stakes really hinging on these characters, and it's not even like the the cast is getting me excited for it too because I don't really care for Angelina Jolie. Uh, Selma Hayek's probably the closest thing that I care about in this movie and it's just because Robert Rodriguez did great things with her in From Dusk Till Dawn uh, I have to say That's I'm it. very similar to you Chris I, I have the exact same feelings with this movie as I did walking into that first Guardians of the Galaxy movie where I'm like I kind of know I know of the characters but I don't know the characters you know, you know as a comic book fan yeah. and I have like no expectations yeah, I mean for this movie. Uh, so Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, who was um, the oldest Stark that got killed at the Red Wedding. Uh, oh, so he's not John Madden's kid. No. Oh, he's Rob Stark. He's Rob Stark. Oh, okay, I, I like him. I didn't know the actor's name. Uh, Camille Nagini, the comedian. Um, oh, okay. He's in it. Stuber. And the big sick. Yeah, they're, they're really trying to ride that Stuber opening weekend that I'll have <laughs> writing into Eternals. Uh, and then the rest of the characters, the rest of the actors are people who I don't even know. So, uh, Whoa! Yeah. John doesn't even know them. They're like unknown teenage Asian actors. Right? Um, the, the, the one guy was uh, the voice of the dad in Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, Spider, I, I mean, mean, like I, I say that like it matters, but Spider Verse was great, so okay, he's good. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's in movies that aren't like he's he plays a detective in child the new Child's Play movie. Um, so he's always a cop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other one of the other actors are Dong Siku Ma, like he's in Train to Budapest, which is a really good. Uh, Korean movie, um, zombie movie. He's in the good, the bad, the weird. Like he's in a lot of really good Korean movies. But if you don't watch Korean movies, you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's, I mean, like it's not the the star in the movie is Angelina Jolie. Everyone else are actors or people who have been famous at one time, but. Like, even Selima Hayek isn't, like... To us, she's a household name, but you could mention it to someone who's 25, and they might not know who she is. She was in Grown Ups. was, like, the last, like, movie that I remember her seeing her in. Yeah, and nobody liked Grown Ups, because it's awful. I know. It wasn't great. It was 
not good. I think I watched... Did I watch that on a plane? Like, there's a reason I watched it, and it wasn't because I was like, oh yeah, I want to choose this. Uh, it was well, on. It was a Monday fun would day, you, and Kate picked the night. Would maybe, you choose maybe, to maybe watch Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming out February 12th, 2021? I'm very... I'm very interested in this. I'm wondering how they tie in the Ten Rings and the actual real Mandarin. Like after yeah. Iron Man three came out, and you and the one guy uh, says, "I am the Mandarin," and you're like, "No, you're not the Mandarin." Not not uh not Ben Kingsley, the guy that was Guy Pierce, me. Guy Pierce, and you were like still like that's not yeah. the Mandarin, and everybody's like, "Hail to the chief!" The uh, you know, remember when Marvel did those like bonus featurettes? The one shots. The one shots, and you're like, "Oh yeah, cool!" So there is an actual Mandarin. Yeah. And you're like, "Okay, cool." And here Maybe it's gonna we'll be it's gonna be Mandarin, Mandarin. Yeah. Alien, alien dragon rings, Mandarin. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Like, we don't know too weird. Mu- we don't know too much about like when this is taking place or what it's gonna be yet, but. Um, yeah, we're getting the first Asian superhero. I, I guess if you can call him a superhero, I mean, he's the master of Kung Fu. Uh, if you can be the master of mysticism and be a superhero, then if you're a master of Kung Fu, you're a superhero. That's that's allowed. I, see, and the fact that I've read comic books with Shang-Chi in them and just kind of been like, okay, he's the Kung Fu guy. Again, this is a movie I have no stakes going into, but... I want to see how this just kung fu dude kind of plays into the Marvel Universe. And I think this was a missed opportunity that they have with characters like... Iron Fist? Iron Fist. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, I, I really hope this does well enough that Marvel can be like, okay, you know what? We can play in this part of the universe, and then maybe we can get Iron Fist... I don't want to say done right, because I still haven't seen season two i've really slept on this kind of stuff from Netflix. it's you're okay you're not missing anything i, I still i it still starts will out, eventually it starts out kind of good then gets bad and then like the last scene makes me want to watch season three that's never going to happen yeah but yeah. guess what the casting for blade makes it me feel like none of those movies or none of those shows matter <laughs> yeah, they, they don't they don't matter uh but then next it doesn't we make have, sense it we have one division which is just the nebulous spring 2021 starring paul bettany returning as vision with elizabeth olsen as scarlet witch uh which olsen sorry olsen promised it's going to get weird which some people are kind of reading to is like okay well this might be a seeing uh scarlet witch kind of go off the deep end and we start to see wanda alter reality which we haven't seen her have too much of that kind of power level yet but who knows? They, yeah, they say this is the re- we learn why they, she's called the Scarlet Witch, even though I don't think she's ever called the Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. No. But maybe in, may- in the show and on the movies. Yeah, John, maybe. were you saying something? Uh, from what I hear, of this they kind of rewrite her powers a little bit for this, but it's also going to lead into Doctor Strange yep. because she's so that might be-, be where we get Scarlet Witch. She's going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which comes out May 7th, spring of 2021. 
and this is going to be a deep-seated horror movie, which... Rated PG-13 still. Yeah. Well, Black Widow is said to be rated R. And I, well. I don't think you need to, like, Doctor Strange, I don't think you need to go R rating. R rating, you know, is blood, like, a lot yeah. of blood. I only make, of gore, I only make of mention of it. Because Kevin Feige made sure to make mention of it during the presentation. Well, I think like, Scarlet Witch, like, or not Scarlet, I'm sorry, Black Widow, you kind of can play around on that side a little bit more. You can have it be a little bit more visceral. I think with Doctor Strange, you can have it be a little bit more intense, but you don't need any kind of profanity or gore to it. Like, it can just be visually intense with. The multiverse crazy. of mass. We don't we don't know what that includes yet. Crazy Cthulhu monsters. Yeah, like tentacles. we we've seen some like weird stuff in Doctor Strange, so we can see that, but like amped up. And I don't think there was anything in that movie that was too grotesque, but it it was still like whoa, this is visually different from anything else they've done. And if they can kind of move into a more horror based version of that, like yeah, that'll be cool. So- so there's two rumors that I'm hearing. I'm hearing that this is going to be an amazing team-up between Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch, or this is going to be an amazing battle between Doctor Strange versus the Scarlet Witch, where WandaVision basically leads us into it, where Wanda goes full villain, full crazy, and opens up like the multiverse and is changing realities, or folding in realities onto ours, and Doctor Strange is trying to fix this problem. I What I think you're going to see is Wanda creates a new world for her in Vision. Maybe, maybe that's and this how is, they bring Vision back. And this is mm-hmm. Doctor Strange like, walks through it. Like, the WandaVision I heard is supposed to feel like a sitcom, but it's not going to be just any sitcom. It'll be like a 50s sitcom, and then episode 2 might be uh, a sitcom from the 60s. Maybe to kind of put it into more comic book, like our recent stuff, maybe it's like the Tom King vision where it's like vision creating his perfect family. Maybe we get Scarlet Witch creating her perfect life in this pocket dimension with vision. And, yeah. you know, and she's grown up comes in, like, like any- this isn't right. Like, this isn't what it's supposed to be. I'm okay with any of this because I just want more Scarlet Witch. I think the glimpses we've had of Wanda in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are cool. I think it's a character that they really haven't done enough with yet. I I was going to say the 1950s thing could come from her growing up in Eastern Europe, you know, kind of, you know, offshoot where all she saw of America was like 1950s sitcoms, like like on television. It's like I Love Lucy. Yeah. So she, she grew up on that. She thinks that's what America was or is so once she wants to create that idyllic sense of you know place like that's what she goes towards you know yeah uh, people learn how did she learn english probably you know from television and uh, it seems it seems like everyone in sokovia had yeah some semblance of it um but then after that the next thing we'll get is also going to be coming out um through the disney plus service and this is going to be the Loki series, which, again, nebulous, spring 2021. Tom Hiddleston coming back as Loki. 
And also, it is confirmed that this is going to be the Loki that escaped with the Tesseract during the failed attempt to get that Infinity Stone during the 2012 Avengers time heist. Uh, I'm excited that we're getting more Loki. I'm excited for more Tom Hilson. I think he just owns that role. He is consistently the strongest part of any of the Thor movies, as well as any of the Avengers movies that he does appear in. I'm just kind of sad that it's not the Loki that we've already kind of grown with. I mean, yeah, Avengers Loki is still fun. He still has those character hits to him. But, man, I want that Loki that's kind of come and gone, like, stepping back and forth between that line of, like, no, I'm going to help. No, but it's for this. But no, and now I'm helping because I have to. But it's only because I I want that from that character. And the fact that we won't have that history with this Loki doesn't mean I'm not going to like the series. I'm just going to miss it. I, I, and I think, like, the things that keep him from being good are... is Thor. So... I think without Thor there, I think he'll have those moments where he's like, well, that's not my problem, and take two steps and be like, "Mm, I'm still kind of a good guy. Because he is still a good guy, but it's... He's not not bad, necessarily. He just... I don't know. He he, he he seems like pretty bad. I'm saying he's the character that sees a baby carriage rolling down the street into traffic, and the baby's holding a big old sucker. And he reaches in, and you think, oh, cool, he's going to stop the stroller. Nope, he's just grabbing the sucker. Yeah, but see, the thing is, he still stops the stroller. And you're like, oh. Does he? I think, yeah, he still stops the stroller, and he just takes the candy from the baby. While stopping the stroller. He stops it's the, the it's stroller. to get the candy. To get yeah. the candy. I can see that. And then he's like, well, ew, he would have made a mess of that Rolls Royce. And I get the sucker now. Like that that's how he is. He's Okay. It, so I was I envisioned him being the character that just like he reaches out and you think for a second he's stopping the stroller. No, he's grabbing the sucker and just keeps on walking. Yeah, he's he stops the stroller. Okay. So Alright, so what's next after that? What's that's, next? Uh, well that will be the animated what if. If. Uh so what if what if I'm right and what if you're wrong? Right. Uh, which I think is kind of fun that they're doing. And the first one that they're going to do will be what if Peggy Carter takes the super serum. Yeah, uh, she becomes a super soldier. Uh, I like that all, everybody is basically signed up to reprise her roles in this animated Stan- series. Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. He's coming back. Yep. He's doing the voice of the doctor. Like everybody said, everyone's coming back to do the voice. And I th- the only person that's not listed, and there's no Iron Man. <laughs> so Robert Downey Jr. No- isn't listed in in uh, these, as far as I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, they might even be teasing Marvel Zombies. I think in one of the pictures they showed was, like, a skeleton Captain America or a zombie skeleton Captain America. So... Who knows what this is ultimately going to end up being, but I think it's still kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool that they are bringing back all of those Marvel actors to reprise their characters, because it's always been confirmed that we will be getting um, 
Michael B. Jordan, Josh Brolin, Mark Ruffalo, Sam Jackson, Haley Atwell, Chadwick Boseman, Karen Gillan, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Dominic Cooper, Sean Gunn, and Natalie Portman all kind of coming back. But it's yeah. it's an animated series that's already like a what if, so it's not going to matter. I just like that it kind of lends that credence to it. People were saying, speculating before Comic Con uh, whether or not this is like, oh, this is we get to see uh, Steve Rogers go back in time and prune the the branches, and what happens if he didn't? Like these are the branches of, and I think this now confirms that no, that's not what the series is about at all. It's like, just you know, whatever they want to tell, whatever stories they want to tell. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No, and I think it's fun. I think people will. I don't think this will go more than maybe one season. Uh, and some of these shows, like, do we need a a second season for them? Do we need a second season of WandaVision? WandaVision, I think, might be perf- perfectly encapsulated in yeah. one season. It's meant to lead into Doctor Strange versus, or into the multiverse madness. Yeah. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier might be leading into the next movie for Phase 5. You know, like, them having a movie. And... Yeah, but I'd like to see them together for more than one season. Yeah. Yeah, but if they're going to do a season of this and then a movie and then maybe another season, like, they can do multiple shows, but it might not be Falcon and Winter Soldier in Phase 6. It might be Falcon and Captain America. You know, yeah. like, they can do anything with it. Nothing said, and they're, I don't think they are looking for multiple seasons. They're just looking to do good shows with these characters. Six episodes. Four episodes. We don't know how many. And I think they're going to tell a good story and not say like, oh, we're going to do eight episodes and then have filler episodes. I think they're going to do basically two movies back to back with the Winter Soldier and the Falcon. You know? It's going to be four 45 minute episodes or one hour episodes. Nothing is is set in stone for these things. Yeah, even the the next one that we'll be getting, which is Hawkeye, again, coming out in 2021, uh, Jeremy Renner coming back as Clint Barton, but this time training Kate Bishop. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was some video posted, actually, by Jeremy Renner, of when they announced slash confirmed, because we already knew it was coming, uh, the release of this, but they actually used the David Aja artwork for it. Yeah. And well, the it, Hawkeye it, is the logo yeah. is his. And it, it, it looks like if you watch the video, it looks like someone from security is coming to come over to grab the phone from someone that's filming something. But then they get close and they're like, oh, it's Jeremy Renner. It's Hawkeye. Never mind. Because like <laughs> the dude stops and kind of like walks around. Um we, we loved the Hawkeye book. We talked about it nonstop. We still talk about it just in that pantheon of like, wow, this is what a comic book should be. I know they won't be able to hit those same notes with the TV show, but I think they they made Hawkeye matter a little bit more in, in or not, I'm sorry, not Infinity War, uh, in Endgame, Endgame more than we've had previously. That was the Hawkeye where it's like, okay, you're, like, you're seeing him overreact but still reacting to the world that he's in besides just being like I'm a guy with an arrow like what do I do like oh 
I like Hawkeye. I like Jeremy Renner being Hawkeye. I just want more of it. Much like I am with WandaVision, I look forward to seeing this character kind of get to stand on their own besides being part of like that ensemble cast. But he- here's the thing. This doesn't have to be Jeremy Renner from the Avenger movies. This could be Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner from another multiverse training Kate Bishop. True. You know, well, I thought this was confirmed that it was going to be during that five years where Hawkeye lost his family, like he's given up, and then this Kate Bishop shows up and he kind of trains Kate Bishop to be Hawkeye because he can't be Hawkeye anymore, and then for whatever reason he then goes on the killing rampage. I don't know. I didn't after the uh, snapping. I'm going to say hmm? I don't know. I I didn't hear I didn't hear too much exactly what well, it was. That's the rumor I heard. Like that's where this is taking place. Did they announce that? Did Kevin? Did Kevin announce that? Then it's you don't know what it is. It's a rumor. I'm just saying. That's the rumor I heard. I wasn't sure how I heard it or what where that rumor came from. So, all right. Well, the other the other big one hanging over all of this uh, confirmed Taika Waititi coming back uh, November fifth. 2021, we are getting Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, they missed opportunity just to call it fourth. You, yeah, you just do Thor, but it's spelled like T-H-O-U-R. You are. Yeah, yeah. that's all you need. These Disney naming people. Sign me up. I can do the better job of this. But no, like the the logo artwork, very kind of like 80s rock oh, it's, band it's theme. He-Man, so it, 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 it's He-Man, Master of the Universe. It plays into that. Um yeah, it's it's everyone coming back reading more. Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. And then I don't know if anyone was necessarily asking for it, but Natalie Portman returning to the Thor franchise as Jane Foster, but this time as the mighty Thor that we've kind of gotten from the Jason Aaron books. Um, Which is surprising. I mean, it's if you're going to do anything with that character, I'd rather have it be that. But I was talking to someone I work with about this, and I just, I don't necessarily like Natalie Portman, which is the only complaint I have about this. It's just, I'm not a big fan of her. I can understand that. Because she was kind of whiny about the whole Thor thing anyway. She's like, I don't want to be a part of the Marvel Universe. And, you know, after those two movies, like, she didn't really want to be in the movies anymore. Can can you blame her? She was asleep for half of dark yeah. world you know so i can think see that like no oh you're gonna give me something to do okay i'll be in this and like she also might not be when she holds the hammer it might not be her as female thor it might be someone a little buffer uh, Who knows? i don't i don't uh, think they would do that and then she also said she's she's gonna do her best to like to bulk up for it well well good it's not, John. Come on. She didn't spend eight years getting her physics degree to become a doctor <laughs> well, to be called f- female mean, Thor. It's Doctor Thor. She spent she spent a long time to uh, pretending to fight off robots and bug creatures to a green screen with George Lucas. So who knows what she's ready for? <laughs> she's Pret- she's pretending Thor. to have any kind of. Uh, 
relationship, interest. yeah, with, with Anakin was should have been acting enough. There's just, mm-hmm. but again, like that's why I just don't like her. Like, it's not that she's bad. It's not like I don't appreciate what she does. Just I'm I'm just not a fan of her. Yeah, I, I think know. I think it was a surprise to everybody, and I think there was a little more groans than cheers, but. I'm looking forward to how this is going to go. I know that before yeah. before Thor, uh, Ragnarok was coming out, Chris Helmsworth was kind of like, uh, you know, I think I might be done, blah, blah, blah. And then after that movie wrapped, he was like, if he's if Tiki Watiki's doing it, sign me up. I'm, st- I'm still here, baby. I'm still Thor. And then... Because Chris Helmsworth realized he's a comedic actor. <laughs> Yeah, everyone like Ghostbusters everyone figured that uh, out and everything else. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Oh no, he, this guy's funny." Uh, yeah, so I think I think he's set to to do this to do like as Guardians of the Universe. I know that's not what Thor or uh, Guardians Three is going to be because that was written before. Yeah, that all, everything was coming through, so that's going to be a different movie. But I still want to see, th- you know, Thunder and Love. Or Love and Thunder. Thunder and Love? Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Thunder. Love and Thunder. I still want to see Asgardians of the Universe. Like, I'm I'm excited for it all. And I think with everything that happened with the Avengers movies that we just got, like, you can have her have, you know, the the Thor hammer. You can have him have Stormbreaker. You could have Better Ray Bill show up and he has... Stormbreaker, and then there's a frog Thor. Like, you could have tons of Thors showing up. Well, especially now at this point, we already have both hammers in our current continuity. Like, he can still have Stormbreaker while Jane has Milner. It's it's fine. Like, this movie can't stand. Like, we loved the Mighty Thor book. It was so well done. I don't know if it's going to hit those exact same notes that we had, but... I, I'm just looking forward to more Taiko ITV movies. The thing is, the only the only like weird like nerd boy thing I'm going to have right now is like that scene. Spoilers for Endgame, uh, where Captain America wields Mjolnir was such an emotional like badass like I'm I didn't pump my hand into the air, but if I was you know somebody that actually felt fun. And felt like emotions. I would have. I squealed inside. Oh yeah, it no. Was, like there was, there was, there was movement in my soul. Yeah, which and hardly that, ever and happens. Paul, you know? that, that Paul movement might have been his... joy. Paul... That, that might be joy you were experiencing. <laughs> Paul locked away might've his been. soul when up made him feel things. <laughs> yes, we all know this. That's that's the uh, But. There, for Jane Foster to carry Mjolnir in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm going to need that kind of an emotional swell and mm-hmm. building you, you, for it to happen. You need the same stakes that the comic book had that made it work. You need the fact yeah. that she had an infinity, infinity Stone living inside her that now has crippled her or killed her or is yeah. causing her to die... And but holding she the has hammer. a purpose to hold that hammer. She, like the reason she has, the reason she can the reason she is chosen to be 
Thor is because she will choose to use that hammer to help people over her own life. Exactly. And that needs to be built in. And I think that's going to be very difficult to get to in the first 30 minutes of that of a movie and sell it. But she... Like, because this character's been gone. She's been... Like, nobody cares it, in, about it, Jane Foster. In all honesty, she doesn't need to hold that hammer till the last 30 minutes of the movie. That's true. You know? You, Maybe... You, you never yeah. know exactly where it needs to go, but... Mm-hmm. She could hold that hammer at the end of the movie, and then boom, Thor 5 is female Thor. Thank you, because I didn't think about it that way. I'm like, oh, she's going to carry this movie? It's it's Jane Foster, the mighty Thor, is carrying this movie? Like, it's going to be really difficult because of that. But you're right, John. We don't know. We don't know when she picks up Mjolnir. Yeah, it could be sure. the last 10, 15 minutes. The, re- the and love and thunder, be. the reason why he's trying to save her, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the movie, she lifts the hammer to save him. And she turns into Thor, and boom, there you go. You got a movie. Yeah, because we had the moment in, in Age of Ultron where Captain America nudges it and then gives up, tries not to move it anymore. Well, and then, the thing I was talking to somebody at work, and yeah. I was like, you know, he he budged it there, but then you have him in all the other movies, Winter Soldier, where he chooses his, you know, he chooses his friend, Civil War, all those things. He's going to give his life. Where he is willing to give his life exactly. He's, he's willing to give his life. He's willing to go against his his best friend in Tony Stark because he knows what's right. And those are the things that lead up to him being able to lift that hammer. So he might have so, been congratulations. able to... Congratulations. If, if you were Team Cap, that means you were right the whole time. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think it does say that, right? I mean, who, he's, he's worthy of the hammer. Cap? He's worthy of that hammer. Tony Stark, he stole those Infinity Gems. Yep. And he paid the ultimate price. He did. He, he deserved uh, it. Also... Final thing that was confirmed over on the Marvel side of things that nobody really expected because it hadn't been really discussed at all. We're getting a new Blade movie. <laughs> yeah. By the guy that played Cottonmouth, proving that uh, I was right not to watch his Netflix series. Yay! They're, they're, good. they're good, though. That's, that's where you're wrong. From, from, what, yeah. I, from what I heard Mahershala is... Mahershala Ali coming back as a new version of Blade taking place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, from what I heard is, uh, I think the night of or the day after he won the Academy Award, he called Kevin Feige and was like, I'm an Academy Award winner. I want to play Blade. <laughs> and he was like, okay, let's make you Blade. I'll talk to Disney. We'll buy Fox. We'll get you in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy Fox. We'll do this. <laughs> How much uh, money does Wesley Snipes sell on his taxes? Still? Okay, yeah, just give it to him. I've seen people that, like, Oh, Wesley Snipes has to be in it. He should be the new Whistler. He should be this or that. Wesley Snipes doesn't need to be in it. He he doesn't need to. I'd be okay with him kind of having like a cameo in it. But but and he Julie also, Andrews. He, he he already had a cameo in the What We Do in Shadows show <laughs> as Blade, so that's fine. Like he, I guess he had his time in the sun. Uh, Daywalk Daywalker. Okay, but like, can we move? Can we move on? We got a whole lot of shows still. I just want. I just want to say, like, there's no reason. There's nothing that he did great acting wise to play 
blade that may, should make okay. him be in it. His his delivery of the line, some motherfuckers just want to skate uphill, though. Chills. <laughs> the I've fact never, that you I have know that line. Blade the fact that I've watched Blade more than probably should have ever happened. Yeah. Is, the, uh, Blade 1 and 2, Blade one and two are Blade fun. And They're good movies. Anyways, Paul, let's get the bracket out of the way. Let's hit it fast. Hit it fast, Paul. Oh, hit it fast. Oh, wait, hit it said, quick. You said no bracket. No, yeah. he said no list. No list. No, I, oh, you said no bracket, and I was like, no, bracket. I forgot oh, the comma. You did, I forgot the comma. You the comma. I am, right. so I am story, three over our half beers in. All right, guys. Let's start it over at the top of the top of the list. We got Spider-Man Far From Home coming out. Uh, opening weekend, $92.6 million opening weekend. Beats the Dark Phoenix. It moves on. Its first week total is $185 million. It's waiting for the winner versus Men, Men in Black International for Stuber. Then, over on the other side of the bracket, we had St- Toy Story 4. Opening weekend of $120.9 million. Soundly beating The Secret Life of Pets 2, which opened at $46.7 million. And it will go on against The Lion King. Yes, that had its opening weekend with $191.7 million. The biggest opening weekend so far on our bracket. Versus Aladdin, which only uh, was able to rub out $91.5 million. Uh, Why would you say it that way, though? (laughs) I thought the same thing. (laughs) Of all the ways to phrase it. I thought it was hilarious, and I would be able to move quickly through it, and nope. it would be funny, and it would be like launching boning missiles. <laughs> Didn't uh, happen. Nope, but you guys caught it. <laughs> and anyways... <laughs> yeah, we caught it when you rubbed it out, Paul. That's that's our cross to bear now. Oof. I guess it's better when it's your best friends that catch it. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you guys never had a friend with like me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that is true. Toy Story 4, though, uh, you know, you got a friend in me. Uh, open, you know, after its first week, made only $179 million. So that means, even without the full week, The Lion King will move on versus Toy Story 4. So not only did it knock, send a knockout punch to Aladdin, its opening weekend, it was the king of the pride. It's on the rock. It's, it's sitting up top, and it moves on. That's fine. Uh, I, had... I, pick, I picked it over Aladdin, so that's that's fine. That's a good pick from you. I don't know who picked what right now. Uh, I'm trying to do this quick. We also had Child's Play come out, fourteen million dollars. Aubrey Plaza bringing home some money. Uh, hopefully, not a lot we'll of money. Goes... Not a lot of money, but we'll see if it uh, beats Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark uh, later on this summer. And that is your box office bracket movie update. Quickly. And now, a dramatic reading. Uh, uh, so, hold on. No, no. I'm, so I'm we, taking pauses. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, I'm just saying, so, guys, we were going to do the list. We're skipping over it. We went really long before. Uh, we're going to do this McGawkin group style. John, your pick for the list. I uh, Powers of X, uh, Jonathan Hickman writing the X-Men. Okay. Paul, your pick for the list. Orange versus Green, classic beatdown. It's the Thing versus the Hulk in Fantastic Four number 12. I will be doing Star Wars Age of Resistance special number one. Bye-bye. And now a dramatic reading of The Goon number one. 
the new series, page two, panel four. What now? And that was a dramatic reading that Chris forgot to sell, say well in oh, The just, Goon. I'm sorry. Number one. I'll do it again. Page well, what now? <laughs> the, it, didn't, it didn't open the picture all the way. I just looked at the thumbnail of it. It just said, what now? This is what happens when you rush people. The Goon, number one, page two, panel four. And that's going to take so, us into our last beer for Paul and myself. I'm just drinking Ooh. another half... Hoppin' Harbor, because I had to put the other ones in the, the ice box to chill. So I'm going with 42 North, Meridian Myth, Indian IPA, uh, Indian IPA, India Pale Ale, sorry, I'm trying to go fast, and I've been it's Native drinking. American IPA, <laughs> Indigenous People IPA. There we go. And this is a 6.7% alcohol by volume, this is a Galaxy and Citra Hop Double dry hopped ale with tangerine added. Uh, this is really good. This is a, definitely a keep cold beer. You want to drink it cold. It's warming up now. The tangerine is heavy and throughout. It's it's you burp. It's good, but it's no. It's no moving to the country that they did the year before. Yeah, with the peaches. It's it's. Uh, it's definitely heavy on the fruit. If you want just a fruited beer and you're happy with just a fruited beer and you're willing to pay a premium for it, it's, it's good. Did you buy this from the brewery? Did they re-release this? I did buy. I bought it at the brewery. Okay. I was happy to be at the brewery. I finished up my job, like, and I parked on the corner of the street of the brewery, and I'm like, well, it would be stupid not for me for me not to stop by 42 North and see what they had. And that's and that's how I picked up Day Trekker and also this and also some of their sours that we're going to keep in the fridge until Chris is here in Buffalo. Yay! Uh, but this is good. Is it Sloop? Good? No, 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 not at all. Is it? It's it's just one note. It is straight up tangerine IPA. If that's all you're looking for. And you don't like I if you don't it's like not, IPAs. It's not a well if you wanted, it's not a well balance between the two. It's not like the tangerine exactly. enhances the IPA. No, it's just, it's just like, oh, tangerine big, boom, and then it's like uh lactose IPA. Yeah. If it doesn't even remind me of high C Ecto Cooler, which was well, that was Mandarin Orange. But, you know, close enough. Like it's just all fruit juice, no real beer flavor. It's too expensive for for me to get a one note beer. Um, it doesn't evolve as it warms up. It just loses more flavor as it warms up. You want to drink it chilled because it's more refreshing. You actually get more of that fruitness now that it's gotten warm. It's like, why am I even drinking this? John, what did you drink? Hey, I gotta ask you guys a question. Do you like Fruity Pebbles? I love Fruity Pebbles. So do I. Do you like IPAs? Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. the two mixed together, and that is my beer from Other Half. And this is Double Matoka Daydream. This is an Imperial Oat Cream IPA. And this blends, like, I, I kept taking the sips of it and going, this tastes like a candy, this tastes like... Is it Skittles? Is it Starburst? What is it? And then I'm like, oh, man, it tastes like 
Fruity Pebbles. Like, it's Fruity Pebbles IPA. And it is amazing. And it is 8.5. And I've drank almost all of it. You're tearing the door off the frame. That's okay. It is really good. And I like this beer at the brewery. Um, I bought... Three of us bought three, uh, four packs, and then we mixed the cans up, so everybody kind of got a little bit of a, a mix pack. Mm-hmm. And at the brewery, this probably was the one I liked the least, but out of the cans, this is the one I liked the most. Interesting. And uh, I, it really has, it really tastes like kind of like a Fruity Pebbles IPA. It's delicious. I, uh, I can't say enough about it, but I will keep it short. It's good. I like it a lot more than the other two. Nice. I mean, I like Fruity Pebbles. It's not my favorite series. It's not my go-to, but I like it. Yum. Yum. And I think that's going to move us into our main topic. Yes, it will. All right. So, like we said at the beginning of the show, it's been a while since we've had a chance to record, so... We are bringing you a double dose of monthly lookbacks. We'll be talking about some of the books that we picked up for the months of June and July 2019. Um, we've got a weird smattering of books. We have Black Cat number one from Marvel, Deceased number one from DC, Angel number one from Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars Galaxy Edge number one from Marvel, Star Wars Age of Resistance Finn number one from Marvel, Star Wars Age of Resistance Captain Phasma number one from Marvel. DC Comics Event Leviathan number one from DC Comics obviously and Image Comics The Walking Dead number 193 what a random number to pick up John it's their final episode and it actually lines up with their trades ah interesting so where are we starting off because I don't remember what we said are we uh, doing my I books I think first? we're doing your books first okay Paul are you back he's back I'm back I, I hey. messaged he said All he right. was back oh, sorry Sorry, I didn't see that. Um, I'm going to start us off alphabetically. We're going to go with... Oh, I'm sorry. I said Dark Horse, but it's actually Boom Studios Angel Number 1. Um, this is the spinoff from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Also a spinoff from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic book that we're also getting over from Boom Studios. Uh, this was written by Brian Edward Hill with art by Gleb Melkinov. Um, if you have any kind of semblance of knowledge of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you will know that Angel is the vampire that has been cursed with a soul, and now he's trying to right all of his past wrongs. And this book starts off in a completely different time and place than I kind of would have expected it to start off in. But right from the get-go... The art really sold me on this because it reminds me of that, like late '90s, Mike Waringo, Humberto Ramos. Like I was gonna say, it reminds me of Crimson. Yeah, it's it's that very just like big, expressive. I hate saying cartoony, but just it's that, that kid's ears in the first yeah, panel. It, it, it's his like the ears and the eyes, just like how everything kind of falls on the face. Like right from the get go, I was brought in, and then you have this woman that's wearing like dog face armor fighting vampires i'm like this is how my angel book's starting off this is nothing like what i've gotten from buffy or angel in the past 
even Angel comic books. But you know what? Sign me up because as soon as you see Angel show up, you're like, all right, like this is where it turns around. And if you know those threads from Buffy or Angel, the TV show, you can kind of jump into this, even though it's a fresh retelling or reimagining of it. Right from the beginning, I was, I was on board with this, even though he really hasn't had a presence in the Buffy comic. Again, I'm like two issues behind. I need to, I need to read the ones that have come out since like number two. I was on board because I'm aware of this character, his place in the universe, and it delivered that. This book started out a lot stronger to me than it finished because if you watched the show, if you knew anything about the history of Angel, he had killed a slayer, or he turned a slayer in this case. And I was like, oh, I'm finally seeing him do that. Because you would see the flashbacks to Angel, or what was he? Angelus or whatever when, Angelus, when yeah. he was the evil vampire and I was like oh it's fun to see that it's fun to him to see him turn that slayer and then I still enjoyed the book but it definitely right after this slows down and it's because he goes and sees a person that he saved years ago and that again that's kind of like that the angel mentality where it's like oh I need to make up for the for the wrongs that I've made and he's that's the connection to his past where he's like checking in and he's like no I'm I'm doing great like you saved me like you should meet my kid like it's th- so much of the like Angel's story is just repentance and trying to make up for that while everything that you've done is still damning your future it, That that's what really worked about this book for me yeah I guess, uh, like, I read this book, and then a few books later I read Deceased, and it's like, oh, cell phones are killing kids. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, too. But I do understand what Chris is saying, where, like, Angel's, like, that guy's like, no, no, you're doing good. Like, you saved me, that spawned this. And as soon as you see that happen, up oh, here's the rug being pulled out from underneath Angel, because the thing that you thought you actually brought that is good in the world is now turned to evil and has killed everything. <laughs> yeah, it's with this with the cell phone. And I I will continue to read this book and I'm hoping maybe sometime I can get a mini series based off of Mara the vampire hunter that Angel kills and turns at the beginning of the issue because like 3 pages in I'm like I'm invested in this character. Like, I don't yeah, know her. Seems... Like, she's brand new. Like, she didn't exist prior to this. But you know what? Sign me up, because this was a great story told in, like... I'm literally looking at it now. Um, cover, title page. We had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pages of this character being introduced and then turned into a vampire before we jump to the present day. And that nine pages alone was like, all right, I'm in. You got me. Well, Chris, you're in because it's a very Warcraft kind of character who's a fighter, or a, <laughs> I'm sorry, warrior, who took a specialization 
I'm, I mean, uh, profession as a blacksmith. <laughs> so she's smithing her own weapon. She's she's able to. Oh, but uh, she just tears through those vampires like it's yeah with with her hot butter knife. It's it's cool. I like that they can just call the vampires riders too. Like I'm just flipping yeah. through the pages now. Like I would read that book alone. Like make that its own thing. Like you don't even have to tie it into Buffy or Angel at that point, and mm-hmm. and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked the flashbacks more than like like the present day. Uh, I didn't really understand Lilith. I'm like, so she's kind of like how Hera is in like Wonder Woman. Like she's working against. We her don't own have self. we don't have time to explain Lilith. Just watch the yeah, last that, season of Angel. Oh, okay. I yeah. haven't seen. She was in the show. I I haven't seen Angel. Angel's hey, worth checking out. Yeah, um, I get but, to when Buffy goes to college and I just don't care. What, what the book on its own is, I, I I think it's definitely well worth picking up number two, and I will be. I I would definitely put it towards the top of the books that we've read. I I would agree. Um, one of the books that will not be put on the top would be Black Cat number one. Really? I yes. liked this book a lot. Uh, okay, well... Uh, Written by Jed McKay, art by Travel Foreman. I was brought in by the J. Scott Campbell cover, and as soon as I started flipping through the book, it's a weird art style where it's all Travel Foreman. Well, I don't mind Travel Foreman art, but something's just weird about the coloring. Yeah, it's the coloring, and it also comes off very flat. It's what it you complain flat. about, um, Fra- Fraser Irving. It's Fraser Irving, and I was going to also say it reminds me of the later versions of Sin City from Frank Miller, where it's just like he used color sparsely in like the first like two or three novels, but then later it's like everything's covered, but it still just had that flat look to it. Yeah. But there's nothing to kind of highlight it. Yeah, where Felisa's face folds into her chin and neck. Yeah, and it's and like you don't know where it all stops except. She has eyeliner and eyeshadow. Yeah. So well, and at some point, like the security guys are like calling out, it's like, oh, she's like mid twenties, and I'm like, let me flip back a couple pages because I placed this Felicia Hardy at like thirty to forty. Well, we're also thirty to forty. Yeah, so. but when, when you look at that Felicia Hardy, when you yeah. see her, I don't read that as someone in their twenties. But then That's again, true. like just knowing like Spider Man and Spider Man history. She would have to be like mid thirties, but I liked the story, but the artwork just didn't sell me, and it actually distracted me from it. I actually enjoyed the backup story where we yes. got. Like, I, I'm blanking out on his name right now. The Black Fox. Yeah, the Black. Uh, I, I like that stuff more. I want this yeah. gentleman thief. Like that's that's an interesting that's, story. That basically cheats Dracula. Yeah. That back rack, and he's like cheating him, and he's like, "I'm going to be called out," but it doesn't matter because I also tipped off a vampire hunter to crash the party. Therefore, uh, I get to give gone with all the goods. And that was like yeah. the thing that right. I liked that the original Black Cat story ended with the gentleman fox like showing up at the end, and you're like, "I don't know who the the Black Fox is." 
And then I was like, oh, there's a black cat thing. Like, oh, I'll thumb through it. Uh, I don't want to have black to, cat. I don't want to have to so read the, it. But then there's no dialogue. You don't have to, no dialogue. There's no reading. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun story. And then when yeah, I saw it's, it's a fun story. The black fox has a backup too. I was like, oh, okay, I'll read this. And it sold me even more on this book. Like I had, but that's I, the thing. Like the the backup story overshadowed the main story for me. And it not that there was anything wrong with the actual story from the main feature of this book, but it it's not what I wanted a black cat book to look like, and that might just be a me thing going into it, because I think J. Scott Campbell portrays black cat in the way that I know and want to see this character. It's like just very cheesecakey, but that's how she's always yeah. been portrayed. But then even that black cat backup story I wouldn't even mind that whole art style. I yeah, I didn't mind a teenage boy fantasy a little bit, like you know, and kind of straddles that line. I think that anime style at the back, you know, with for the back end was a little bit, you know, very teenage boy fantasy kind of thing. Well, it's I wouldn't say that. I think there was just like a fun to it that I kind of want from Felicia Hardy. She's mm-hmm. a cat burglar character with bad luck powers. She even references them in the book, and while she's doing these like crimes, terrible things are happening around her. But you know what? She doesn't care because she's having fun while doing it. And I didn't get any kind of fun from the art that was in the main, the okay. main story. I can see that, uh, John. What were you going to say? I there? I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the backup stories. The backup stories sold me a little more on the book, but I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed it as a caper, as like the you know the thieves guild wants to be one up on me, but I will always be better, you know. And she mentions her father, and then the black fox shows up, and then it shows the backup story where her father's like, ah, I'm gonna leave. I'm going to leave you behind and I'm going to go to New York City. I got a girl and blah, blah, blah. Like, I enjoyed this. If Chris didn't pick up issue two, I think I would. I had a good time with it. I, All right, guys. I won't be picking up number two, but it's one of those things like if it came out and it was on sales like a dollar, I would pick it up just to have something to read. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I'm, but I'm Paul now on Comicsology, where I just see things and I'm like, no, I I should own that, and it's cheap enough that I buy it, and I don't get around to reading it, and I'm hoping that I'm going on vacation next week, and I'm like, oh, maybe on the plane ride I'll be able to read some of these books. Yeah, Paul, that, that is a very Paul statement. Uh, I had a I had a que- oh I remember the question very nerdy Marvel. Uh, question: Gambit is he a member of the Thieves Guild? He is because, a he is a member of the Thieves Guild, but I'm assuming it's a different gonna, Thieves Guild because that's what the whole Gambit miniseries was about when it came out in like '93 right. or '94, whenever it was. Is he going to show up here? Because if this, this is all building towards a Black Cat versus Gambit kind of thing, <laughs> Paul, I'd kind of be interested. Uh, you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment at that point, though, because I'm going to assume right. it's. Probably not. Yeah. But that would be So, I, I'm out. Um, I'm out. That's okay, but 
Are you in me. when it comes to a DC Zombies book written by Tom Taylor with art by Trevor Hairsign? Uh, nope. No? Okay. This book actually surprised me because it starts off with we see Darkseid actually trying to put together the anti-life equation. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of see everything move forward from that point. And while the art Again, didn't really grab me. I think this was like a really interesting book that I probably will be picking up number two. Not just because so, I want to see Batman as a zombie, but also we've never really seen the anti-life equation put into action before. And granted, this is kind of like a different Final take Crisis. on it. Yeah, but this is a, a different take on it now. Where it's like jumping to like social media stuff. It was spread by screens and stuff. Was it? Oh, uh, yeah, and cell phones and stuff like that. Yeah, Final Crisis. It was. Kind of... so, they didn't say social media, but it was on cell phones and screens. It Final, Final Crisis, Crisis. I guess, is kind of like and a blur it, to me. It it wasn't that good. Yeah, and also, oh, well, I had a thing that I was going to say. Oh, is that who's Jonathan Kent hanging out with? Uh, Damien. Is it? Yeah. Because that doesn't seem they, like they Damian talk Wade. about like, oh, your dad's like. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, I haven't read. I know. Have you been reading is, Super but... Sons and the fact that they've become really no. good friends? Yeah, but that. But Damian Wayne being actually like worried about Batman. Like, actually worried. Well, I think it's the fact that like and he did... he's he's not answering. Like he always answers. Like yeah, that's that's kind of like. Well, this is weird. Like that's yeah. I've never not been able to get a hold of Batman. I I just like you, I didn't. Feel the thing like that, that I thought Damian. the thing he didn't look like Damian. I didn't. Feel he was, like a, he was, well, he was a little that's, kid that's, with black hair. That's the artwork, and he's wearing like a Batman T-shirt. Like, yeah. but the artwork's not the strongest in this. But the fact that Batman's kind of like one of the first people to follow it was kind of like whoa, like. Shock! You, you, you caught me deceased. Which again, very clever naming. Um, I, I again, it, this isn't going to be one of my top tier books, but again, like, I'll pick up number two when it finally kind of drops down from the two ninety nine price to like the DC one ninety nine after it's been out for like four months. Um, I will see what kind of like intrigued me a little bit more was the Batman Last Night on Earth preview that we got in the back because I was like, oh, that's an interesting side story. Much better than the other Batman book that came out before that I really didn't care about from Black Label. Was it the white? Oh, yeah. Because I enjoyed yeah. the Black yeah, man. Bat- Batman Bla- uh, White Knight by... Um, oh, see, I didn't read that one. The Sean Murphy the one. The Sean Murphy one. It just reminded me a lot of the uh, Goodnight Batman. <laughs> the uh, what was that issue? What Neil Gaiman wrote it. Yeah, it, it was... was an anniversary, and like Alfred's like, no, no, I made this whole thing up. I wore grease paint. And I was the Joker the whole time. Like that, you know. I'm like, Ugh. or the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she wakes up in an asylum asylum. Or oh, that that. Episode kind of caught me a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. The but that's not the book we're talking about next. Yeah. Oh, John, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, I I didn't bother reading the backup story because I've seen other things about that story where it's Batman walking with the Joker's head in a cage, and then it's like, oh no, he's in an insane asylum the whole time, and it's like, eh. but that one again, it's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, so selling point. Yeah, the art's going to be great, and. Scott Snyder's got a lot of good writing, but he's got a lot of bad writing. Like any any writer, any writer that we followed, there's ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah. So what's Wait. next? Well, our next book is actually going to be the next of these Star Wars kind of miniseries focusing on the different ages of the Star Wars franchise, and this is going to be age. Star Wars: Age of Resistance, Captain Phasma, number one, uh, written by Tom Taylor. Hey. He wrote Deceased, uh, with art by Leonard Kurt, who you may know, Paul, from doing X-Factor. X-Factor. This is telling a story about Captain Phasma actually just being a captain. This is her leading a battalion of stormtroopers on an attack on a planet. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's more character-building stuff for Captain Phasma. We're introduced to someone that kind of idolizes her, and then just what that leads to as someone that follows Captain Phasma, but then also what it means to follow Captain Phasma. Um, glad it's a one-shot, because if this was a miniseries, I probably wouldn't be picking up number two. But it's good to get a glimpse of this character actually doing something besides just popping up on screen for a minute to do a thing. Yeah, we we read issue one of a mini series of Captain Phasma, and it definitely seems like this backs up the fact that she's someone who definitely is someone who just is out to save or hide. Like she found that person to like the book follows uh, an attack where Captain Phasma sees like oh this person could be a lieutenant. This person could raise up, but she still holds on to these emotions of trying to help the wounded where I'm someone who's a survivor, I'm someone who does this, and then they go, hey, I'll make you a lieutenant, you lead the brigade, and while you lead the brigade, I know that there's going to be an attack from our air, you know, our air force or our spaceships that are going to come in once you have drawn them out and blow them up, and I'm going to sacrifice everybody as I walk away. And this person sees that, and then tries to fight against Phasma, and, and, and loses. Or loses, like, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the captain, I'm the survivor, I'm the one who's going to walk away from this because I'm smarter than you. Because I'll sacrifice my pawns to get the, the bigger kill. I was definitely expecting halfway through the book that, oh, okay, so I didn't know it was a one-shot. And I'm like, oh, so this is going to be the story of these two kind of working together. And then when it twisted there, I was like, okay, no, Captain Phasma definitely deserves to die. Like, whenever that happens. Because I still don't believe she actually dies in that fire during the Oh, no. Um, I don't know if you guys read the little backup thing. No. It's only like one page, but the whole reason it's Gwendolyn Christie as Phasma is basically just because J.J. Abrams was like, oh, I really want to do stuff with her. So the fact that 
he's back for Rise of the Skywalker. Paul, spoilers, maybe not spoilers. I don't no, know. No, I, I, I don't want to listen then. Well, no, you know the title. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I would not be surprised if we get the return of Phasma just because J.J. Abrams really likes Gwendolyn Christie and wants to do things with her. Well, even in that, that's we read the first issue of that series, and like in that, the ship blew up and she escaped. Like, you know, she had like a. I think out of her wrist, she shot like a bolt that she tethered away mm. or lowered her down and she got away. Like, I don't think it's a bull. I mean, it's the way that Boba Fett died in, uh, yep. you know, but I don't, and he's back. I don't, he, I, he didn't die though. He didn't die. He's, he escaped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. You know, I, I imagine, uh, Phasma will escape and they'll sh- either, either just tell us, Oh no! I tethered away, or I found this, or I landed on this, and blah blah blah. Uh, but we also do get a little bit more Captain Phasma in the next book, Star Wars: Age of Resistance, Finn Number One, uh, written by Tom Taylor, also art by Ramon Rosanas. And I like this one a little bit more, yes, than Phasma. But at the same time, I kind of didn't like it because it shattered what I thought about Finn based yes. off of The Force Awakens. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm glad you guys yes. are on the same page because I, I went into Force Awakens just imagining Finn FN2817 or 2187, I can't remember the number, as just a stormtrooper. Then while he was in that massacre on that planet, something clicked inside of him and that that, he awakens. He, he awakens. That title, like titular, as, exactly. It means as much to him as it does to someone like Ray. Where that was him snapping out of me, like, "Whoa! Like, what am I doing? What is this life?" Mm-hmm. But according to this book, like, no, he's kind of always just been that caring person that was just doing what he's told. And there's nothing and wrong with a goofball. Yeah, a little bit of a goofball. And I'm, I'm like, no, just no. A real, oh, a real honey. soft touch. It, yeah. It, I, I like this book, in spite of that though, because I like Finn being Finn. I guess he's kind of that. Not to get all lashed out, he's that hope. He's always looking forward to something. He's when did he have to time to put those guys in no. the, the garbage thing? <laughs> Who knows? Well, this whole book focuses on the fact that there's a infestation, or well, there's actually the books call it infestation, but there's something killing stormtroopers in one of the tunnels where it turns out that they've burrowed into a nest of like an indigenous creature that they're supposed to kill. But he's like, no, I I can't do this. Like, this is their home. Like. We're the ones in the wrong here. I'm going to set my captain on fire instead. What he. Well, he, only... he sa- kiss sets the captain on fire to save his captain. True. Um, again, like this is, if you like Finn as a character, it's this is Finn being Finn. If you went into this book with those preconceived notions of Finn, like me, it's still not a bad read. It's it's a fun it's Finn a fun is, just... book. It doesn't take anything no. away from the character. No. But it, lo- but it make to to read this makes Force Awakens lose a little bit of what we thought of Finn from that. 
that he yeah. was somebody and, who was awakened by the Force or something snapped in him. Where in this, it's like, nah, he was always just a soft touch. He was always trying to help things out. Yeah. Which, again, that, no, because, uh, and I can understand why people are upset with Last Jedi going in with their, like, oh, this is what it's going to be. Like, this is what it's going to be. Ray, she's really Palpatine. Like, you can't ride too much on that kind of stuff because those head cannons you make, if it ever comes out that, like, well, no, like, we just didn't tell that story yet. You can't let that ruin everything that came before. And that's why I can't fault this book, because at the end of it, I did like it. I do like Finn as a character. I like that deep down, he is a good, caring person. And maybe that strengthens the character a little bit more. That, like, no, that's always been a part of who he was. It wasn't just, like, something clicked, and then he's like, oh, nope, killing people's bad, like... I'm of two minds of this book, and I kind of lean more towards the light on it. Like, no, like, I enjoy this. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It wasn't, like, something that ultimately did any. You know, like, it didn't take anything away from the movies, because I know this is a comic book. This is... Yeah. There's the movies, and yes, they're trying to be cohesive between the two, but whatever. Uh I enjoyed this book more than Phasma. I enjoyed this book more than yeah. Deceased, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't a bad read. Everything looked good. I liked it. I, I, to be honest, I liked the character of the garbage spaceship driver, <laughs> the, the garbage person, uh, more than anything. And uh, you know, it was it was a fine read. It probably was up there over everything else. Up there over a lot of the things we read this month. Yeah. Paul? I just... Uh, Finn has been that character that's been without hope like for the first two movies that we've seen. He he wants to get away from the, the First Order because there's no surviving. Like, you gotta get away from Jakku. You gotta, get a, you gotta find a place to hide because there is no hope when you go up against the First Order. And then he wakes up I- in the back of tank suit and he's like, no, I gotta run away because there is no hope of saving Ray unless I get as far away from here as possible and, like, find Ray. Like, there is no hope. And he finds hope within Ray. Like, that's that's who this character is for me in the first two movies. So for him to, like, uh, have this, like... I'm gonna disagree with you because I don't okay. feel like it's finding hope through Ray. I feel like that's what keeps him going because like everything you said is true like yeah like he's like oh no like I have to get away but the the catalyst that's pushing him forward is what's driving him forward it's not he might feel like he's running away but ultimately like everything he's doing is like no like this is what's building building the resistance this is what's leading them towards overthrowing the first order yeah, but his motivation is to save Ray. Like, the two times that he's going to run, like, the first time he runs, he's like, come with me, Ray. No, you can't? Okay, cool. Oh, I see Ray being taken away by uh, Kylo Ren. All right, well, and then I'm going to stick around with the First Order and try to save her by lying to the First Order and saying I know how to shut down things. And then the second time is, like, he's going to take an escape pod, and then he gets uh, tased by Rooks. 
Yeah, but he's like, going to take that escape pod because he's a coward. The The best thing but, that they could have done in the second movie was to actually have him drive his ship into that thing to destroy it, to save them. Instead of having, what's her name, crash ship, Rose, Rose, Rose. Crap to crash the ships. It would have been better, because like, that would have been a better ending for Finn to actually then be like, he was going to run away, but now he was going to stand his ground and he was going to save everyone. Like, give his mm. life for that. That would have been a better part of that movie. Don't disagree with that. But either way, John's, John's statement or my statement, that is not a character that we see in this book. So moving on. Moving on to probably my least favorite Star Wars book that we read. Thank for, you. Uh, double look back. Oh, yeah. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number one. Uh, this the was the power of marketing. This was written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney. Sliney. Um, yeah, right from the get go, I'm on because try a Bronto burger. It, it's kind of interests you in a juicy Ronto wrap. Yes, oh, if you go to Galaxy's Edge, either at Disneyland or coming soon to Disney's Hollywood Studios, you can get a Ronto wrap at Oga's Cantino. They're basically tacos. Right from the get-go, this is like, hey, we're trying to tie into everything that you're going to see in this land, and here's kind of a fun way of telling the story. I have no desire to read number two or anything else that's coming forward. I was hoping to get some more stories centered around this planet that I will be going to visit. Uh, yeah, the planet of Bantu. We're looking at the spaceport of the Black Spire. Uh, one of the stores there is Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities, Antiquities, which is where you can go buy your holocrons, lightsabers, other Star Wars assorted goodies. And guess what? That's where we're going for this book, where we're going to see a bunch of anthology type stories centered around the different things he has there and how he obtained them which the first one we see is the tale of a baby sarlacc which guess what if you go to doc honors you can see that it's there you can buy it so much of this book was just like oh this is a thing like we can tell the story we can say like oh nope you want to come here you can see this it seems so forced, and then the artwork in it is so... What are you talking about? It looks like a it's... guy in a Chewbacca outfit. It, it, he looks like a Maltese. Like, the fur on it's so weird. Han Solo looks different in every single panel he's in. There's no, like, cohesion from page to page. The, I... the cohesion is uh, worn catcher's mitt. Sucking, sucking. It's <laughs> oh, the Robert Redford sucking on a lemon. Oh. Well, it's like the the artist tried to mix the young Han Solo with the old Han Solo. Like he's not drawing Harrison Ford, but he's drawing him older, and he's not drawing Auric Alderson or whatever that guy's name is, but he's drawing someone who's sucking on lemon. I. I feel like on its own, it wouldn't be a bad Han and Chewie story. Like, yeah, it's a little weird when this is supposed to take place, because I'm guessing at this point he probably already had his run-in with Sarlacc on 
Tatooine. I don't know. Maybe this is before that because it seemed like uh. this should matter more. As someone's like, oh, like baby Sarlax, that's weird. But I, I don't know because I'm just focusing on the fact that when you go to Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland or Disney World, you're going on the day that the First Order is actually arriving there, and then the Resistance kind of has to scatter their forces because they were using it as an outpost. So this means these stories take place like 30 years before that. So I don't know, but it it just reeked of like, hey, we have this thing coming out, what else can we do to to kind of be like, nope, this is a thing that matters. This book doesn't matter. These stories don't matter. I'm still going to Galaxy's Edge. I'm still going to put down my $200 for a lightsaber. And I will drink plenty of blue milk and eat the shit out of Ronto, whatever they called them. I don't remember. And if you go to... But this... Wraps. If you go to this... Ronto wraps, yeah. If you go to this guy's shop, you can buy the pieces the other pieces of your lightsaber that they don't give you. Mm. or But only of your lightsaber, and only within the first 24 hours now, and yeah. who knows well, how it will pe- change. Well, it might be a little different with the them. new one. Like, with the, the next park opening. They probably only have X amount for the California one. That's, that's the thing, like, people were buying them and then selling them online. Um, even you used to be able to go to Doc Ondars and buy different color lightsaber crystals that you could then pop into the lightsaber that you bought and built to change the color of the blade. But now you can only buy that crystal if you buy a holocron with it. And the holocrons are like 50 bucks. So now you're looking at spend like $62 to get a different color crystal and a holocron that basically just sits there and lights up in a different color. Not that the lightsaber actually does anything either. I know my talking crap of the one thing is still talking crap of the thing that I'm already willing and able to do, but maybe maybe I'm just bitter because I wasn't picked to go to the... Oh, the you didn't get stuff. it? Well, that no. just means you get to go with your best friends, and we're gonna... I was gonna go with my best friends anyways. I just want to go with I know, but this time, this time we get to go with big Star Wars boners. <laughs> Launch those guy to boner missiles. But whose books are we doing next? Uh-huh. Is that it's all of yours? One book. That, yeah, that's everything I have. Oh, well, let's switch over to Paul's book. Yeah, and this is uh, Brian Michael Bendis doing his big crossover. This is DC Event Leviathan, uh, issue number one. This is coming out of Leviathan's uh, <laughs> uh, work over with the Superman books. Uh, Leviathan Rising and this is Leviathan they have struck the core of the uh, intelligence slash counterintelligence slash spies slash terrorist groups and have crippled them all within 24 hours so Cobra is down uh, Checkmate is down Uh, Argus Argus, DEO any kind of like secret op uh, area uh, has been crippled and attacked by this Leviathan. Uh, we're not sure who's behind it, but uh, Talia Al Ghul has been seen with this uh, Leviathan person, masked uh, person, 
And uh, this book opens with Batman checking out the scene of an Argus facility uh, that was, you know, a secret facility for Argus that was supposed to be the secret uh, facility that was giant in that city and big and circular as Argus. Yeah, they were saying it was a museum. It was a museum and also a place for, you know, powered and non powered people to come together and talk and trade ideas and, like, kind of. Kind of liaison between Wayne thinks uh, that gets blown up. Nobody knew Argus was behind it, and it it, get, it got blown up. And Steve Ro- uh, Steve Rogers, right? Not Steve Rogers. Oh, Steve, Steve Trevor, Trevor. Yeah, was also there. And for whatever reason, he survives the attack. Lois Lane shows up. She snuck in as well to investigate because in the books in the uh, stories within Superman, Clark Kent was kidnapped. By uh, by Leviathan, but was able to escape because he's Superman. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of people like being basically framed for for what's happening, and nobody knows who to believe. And it's basically uh just a Brian Michael Bendis book where people are trapped in a room together and are talking. And I actually enjoyed I, it because I liked it a lot. I. This is probably one of my favorite books that we read these past two months because as I was going through reading it, not just the characters that we're kind of dealing with and then the Alex Maleev art style, but it reminded me of kind of reading like that Ed Brubaker, Greg Rucka type story. Like this is something that we would have gotten in Gotham Central if Gotham Central had become something like Detective Comics. So I was on board for this because I honestly didn't know who wrote and drew it until I got to the end. And I was like, who did this book? Because I really dug it. And I was like, oh, it's Bendis and Maleev. Cool. I was worried because I'm like, ooh, if these two guys are saving this book for the last minute, it might be too wordy and a little too slow. And there's a lot of finger pointing and a lot of stuff like where the characters are just saying stuff. And who knows? And uh I, I, I kind of like that though because yeah, I mean this is the introduction. If you're reading it in a rush, though, it would be horrible. I I read ninety okay. percent of these books today, mm-hmm. and it, most of the time I was the baby's in his little PlayStation. The baby's asleep on me. The baby's doing this. I need to read these books, and this is the one that I was like. It's the most wordiest of all we had, but it's the one that uh, I, w- I would disagree. I think yours was worse. Well, yeah, not just because it was like eighty pages, but this <laughs> this is up. This is up there, and this is one of yeah. this is one of the ones that draw drew me in the most, and this is the one that I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the. Even when Trevor was like, well, how do I know it wasn't you, Lois Lane? How do I know you're not Talia al Ghul? How do I know that you're Batman? And then you're like, yeah, how do we know any of that? It's just a guy in a costume. I, we're taking... There was no like internal bubbles to let us know that these characters are who they say they are. And the only things that you know between Lois Lane and Batman is the fact that we know that they have had interactions before... And they give those little interactions away, like I'm yeah, not I'm not used to seeing you in this outfit, or I'm not, you know, this is how I always yeah. see you, blah blah blah. 
Like those are they're the- both kind of in on the secret. Even though like the whole time Lois just is like, oh well, Clark was like captured. They they let mm-hmm. him go. Like at no point are they either one of them, like Batman or Lois, like overt with saying like, like he's, he's Superman. But they both kind of dance around it enough. I think because they're both looking for survivors or trying to figure out what's happened. So they don't know if they're actually alone. Well, they think, I mean, they and think they're alone at first and then Bat- Batman notices, sure. Batman notices Trevor. Yeah. You know, Trevor. Yeah. And then Batman also has green arrow in the wings for backup because then mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, you need me to do anything else. Like now you've done enough. Like, He's obviously there because Batman told him to be there. He wouldn't have been there any other reason. And then you have the question lurking in the shadows. Like, there's all these things in here, which are great. And this, these are the things that you liked about Brian Michael Bendis when Brian Michael Bendis wasn't having to lead a company like he did with Marvel. And he wasn't writing 79 books and the big miniseries. Like... This is a good miniseries because he's just been writing Superman. He wrote a Wonder Twins, you know, like he was doing fun Teen Titans. He, uh, what's the Naomi? What's the girl's Naomi? Yeah, he's just writing like fun books that he's he wrote a script for, and they're finishing out those books. Like this is something that he doesn't seem like he's bogged down where he actually has time to write a story that is interesting when he you know he wasn't writing the big event books for marvel and he was just writing those x-men books those were interesting x-men books you know you had the white magneto on the team with cyclops even though he doesn't trust cyclops like those were interesting dynamics that he was able to lay down and write because he wasn't bogged down with running a you know basically being the guy for the company I'm just sad that even though they're talking about, like, we need to get the best detectives together because they're probably already working on it, I don't think we're going to get Detective Shimp. <laughs> I think we might. Do, do you? Okay, they, I, I mean, haven't the, looked at the spoilers. or I haven't looked at it, but they made on. They made I, him really well known with Justice League Dark, so why not tie him into this? I hope they do, but this is definitely a book that I want to read read more of. Uh, de- definitely. I, I, would, I would buy issue two. I had fun with this. I, even though nothing fun had happened in this book, yeah, yeah. I had fun with this book. I, I think it's all the character portrayals so well done. I, I was in. There was some verbiage that I had to read the uh, word balloons like twice because of how he put things. Like, I, what is he saying? Oh, okay. But Bendis does a good job of actually kept capturing characters' voices. Uh, I, uh, I would say, I, and it's been a while since I've felt this way, even though it's something that's kind of always in the back of my mind, this Batman, when I read it, it sounds, or I could, he- I shouldn't say it sounds, but I could hear Kevin Conroy saying yeah. this, like, this is the Batman that I hear when I think about Batman. I would agree. I think Bendis first hit, hit it with me uh, in the Superman book, where... Uh, Superman's trying to figure out who's setting all the fires around Metropolis. And Batman says, have you tried to put a pin in a map? Because sometimes it forms a pattern. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what Batman would yeah. do. No, I mean, there was, there was a lot of good moments just in, just in dialogue. 
mm-hmm. that really worked for a, this. A book. lot of, and all it is is just characters pointing the finger at each other. Yeah. Like, well, I can't trust you because of your 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 you're the daughter of you know Colonel Lane, who's you know met, and we can't trust these. Trevor because blah 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 and I can't oh, well, I, you, yeah man. I love when Steve Trevor's like well clearly they're trying to portray you as the suspect because it's uh-huh. it's Lane like they're gonna look at you as and then, husband, like and then he's like you can't trust me because I'm the lone survivor and they're setting me up to do this yeah. so I need to clearly I cannot drink the glass that's <laughs> exactly you never get involved in a landlord uh, what landlord and uh, land, land war Land War. I couldn't say it. I'm I, drunk. Hey, I finished my beer. I, I've. I, oh, I still have this all day IPA hey, that I cracked open. Hey, it's, only like, it's only four hey, percent. You I, got this. I've had three nine uh, percent beers, so I'm doing great too. Well, well, hopefully you're good to talk about the next book, which is uh, your pick for yeah for the look and back. This is the final episode, final issue of Walking Dead one ninety three. The farmhouse. Wow, what a western! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the farm. Go ahead. The John. farmhouse, written by uh, Robert Kirkman, art by Charlie Adlard, and this is an adult. Uh, what's the son? Carl. Thank you, yeah, Carl. I'm blanking on things. Um, living in a civilized society where they are blocked off from walkers and they haven't had any zombies coming in through all the barricades that they have to protect the city, where Herschel... uh, Herschel's son. Not Herschel's son, but the daughter of Herschel... uh, I can't think of anyone's names now, because I'm... Maggie. Maggie, thank you. Uh, Sorry, no, it, it was weird going back to this. Uh, Maggie and Glenn's son, uh, who maybe got pampered or was always appeased by his mother and is a little bit of a spoiled kid, who runs a traveling zombie show where you can come and see the zombies. And one of them got loose, and Carl killed him. And then when, after he killed him and talking about it, realized that, oh, Herschel might be in here. And then goes and com- has a confrontation with her, uh, Herschel because he let one of his walkers get loose. One of his walking dead. And it's one of the first times they refer to the zombies as the walking dead in this last issue. And uh, it's an interesting story of the society that they built and the characters that you know and even if you don't read the books, if you watched the series and were like, oh, this is the last issue and I bought this, you would know most of the characters that they're talking about and give you a give you an idea what's going on. This is a very interesting take on the society where it's a society that some of the the most of the people have forgotten what it is that they were up against. you know the zombie apocalypse and they've created a new society and they've they're carefree and the person who is worried the most about that is the person who still remembers the old zombie apocalypse where their father 
was the one who was able to make it so that they had peace, that they had the society. And I think it's back in, it's, it's back in maybe the mid season, mid, mid series where they showed the same statue of Rick where it was a peaceful society. And then they show it like covered with moss and vines and you see those walkers again. So you, you see a peaceful end to everything where maybe these people were able to live out the society, but he showed you issues ago that in the end, it's just going to be zombies walking this world. And I enjoyed this book as someone who enjoyed the comic book series. Chris, you and I probably read about the same, maybe half the series, if not a little bit more. I think you finished it issue 100 and I issue finished it maybe I, issue 75 or something. I'm actually trying to go back and figure out where I stopped reading the book. I, um, for some reason, I remember you f- ending at a hundred. You're like, I, I didn't, I didn't make it that far. No, I we, like, no, I'm, I'm literally scrolling back through because I want to say I actually ended with the hunt. I want to say I probably ended around like 61, actually just looking at it. Because I stopped um, reading before the uh, Negan stuff. Two trades. That's how far I got. Two trades. No, I, I, I stopped before that, but it looks like the point where I dropped off was right when the hunt begins, which was episode, or issue number 62, where like they start to run into... Uh, cannibal. So number 61 is probably the last one that I read, which to put this into perspective was May 13th, 2009. So again, 10 years ago. Um, (laughs) Worth worth noting, though, that for as long as this book had been going on, it was always just kind of touted as the zombie movie that doesn't end. Like, Kirkman always just said, like, no, I'm going to keep telling this story as as long as they're going to let me tell it. But then it just kind of came out of nowhere. He was just like, eh, you know what? We just decided this is where we're going to end it. Like, me and Charlie, like, we're we're done. Like, 193 is going to be end. And then... I thought the most interesting part was that end. Part where he's talking about how he decided to end it. Like, when he saw that cover from 140, what, 143. He's like, you know what? That fair. That's that's how this ends. Like it ends with society being rebuilt. And he's like, "How many stories do I have uh, left in me? Fifty? Ooh, I'm not going to make three hundred, am I?" <laughs> and him just deciding, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to leave. Well, this. not only. I mean, I yeah. It, not only. I'm sorry, I stepped on Chris. Oh, but well, no, you're good. Not only that, I mean, the guy is one of the heads of image he's writing he has his own like imprint with skybound too like where he's doing his own thing he's working on two tv shows three tv shows if you count like the the spin-off walking dead and the the next walking dead spin-off and the walking dead movies that are coming out about rick grimes like wasn't he doing outcast yeah yeah he he did outcast on showtime which was quickly picked up. I think it was he sold it before he even started writing the comic book is one of the things I heard. 
Um, and yeah, he, I mean, the guy's the guy's really busy. You can't blame him too. Like, and again, this is a story and a universe he's been living in since Walking Dead number one came out October eighth, two thousand and three. So it's not just sixteen years of writing a comic book. It's sixteen years of writing a comic book on top of handling a TV show, a spin-off TV show, a comic book imprint, while still launching other comic book series. And this, I mean, let's not forget, he still did Invincible, which, granted, wrapped up like two years ago, but he was still writing that alone. Like, these were his babies. Like, And wasn't he, he like, the on these month to month. creative director of Image as well? Or Yeah. He had to... Uh, he, he was like... Like creative supervisor or something, where like he was like the one that was finding new people or something. So I mean, the guy. I mean, the guy kept up the series. Obviously, uh, the series is going to run long. I think I made it fifty, probably just less than you, Chris. I didn't. I don't think I got to the cannibals in the series. Yeah, I went for a while, and and I remember Sorry. even when we were doing the show for the list. It would be one of your picks. So I imagine, oh, yeah, I, you know. I mean, we've been doing it for 10 years, so it checks out. Um, it was weird jumping back into this book 10 years later, since I haven't watched any more of the Walking Dead TV show. I watched the first season when it aired, just because that's when I was still reading the book. And then at that point, I was like, oh, well, you know what? I've already gotten a lot of the story and I'm continuing to get the story because at that point I was still reading a comic book every single month. Um, so going back to these characters and this world was kind of nice. Cause okay. Like I didn't know Carl was still alive. I didn't know Sophia was still alive. Okay. Michonne's still there. Now she's like high judge of the new colonies or whatever they were they were calling it okay like i was checking in with these characters that i didn't know that i had missed um i was really expecting it to have kind of an o henry ending though where herschel's traveling like walking dead circus was the cause of the next outbreak and everything that carl was being you know put on trial for He's right, like, no, these things shouldn't exist. We shouldn't be leaving them around. And then we were going to kind of see the, all right, like, humanity's doomed to suffer through this again because we just are dumb animals and can't learn our lesson. I'm okay with it ending on that kind of more hopeful note where it's, you know, Carl telling his daughter the story about her grandfather. Like, this is how he saved humanity. Um I'm just surprised that Kirkman just wasn't like, and here we go again. Like, just yeah. based off of the past 192 issues of this. Well, I think in a in a way he did because there is some issue, issue 79 or 64 or something like that, where it shows a flash to the future where they show five years from now or ten years from now and they show the statue of Rick and then they show like eleven years from then and then they show it overgrown with walkers around it like he's already shown that 
it's not it's not going to be a peaceful end like they will come back they will have this it will be a thing where people forgot and then there will be a rise up and people will have to fight back and in a sense he's left it for him or someone else to come back in two years five years six years ten years because the walkers are still out to, there. To, to do it again and i mean the only other person kirkman has ever let write a story for walking dead was um uh who writes saga bkv bkv brian like uh brian he let him do an issue for his website series where you donate whatever money you want to have that issue and i i i spent the money two years ago when they did it three years ago a year ago i don't remember but i paid i paid the money i i think i donated you know 3.99 or four bucks or what five bucks whatever whatever an issue would be to to download it and have it because it's like oh that's interesting one i love bkv i wanted to tell the story and it was the story of rick grimes brother that he mentions in the first trade in England when the outbreak happens there too and that's the first inkling that you know that the outbreak happened worldwide and it was in black and white and it was kind of told the same way as Kirkman and it was an interesting story and this is an interesting story and I'm someone who I may be like two seasons behind in maybe a season and a half behind what's been airing but it's interesting enough, like, I still know those characters. Those characters are in the series, and they're characters that I did, I was introduced to in this in the comic book series as well. I think it did a good job of ending a series that you might have been partially into, whether the series or the comic books are a little of both. Yeah, even though I, I really haven't kept on it, I mean... In ten years, I still kind of had that emotional reaction. He came out I was like, "No, like we're we're gonna end it. It's time to end it because it had just been there for so long. Like the entire time, like we've been back into comics. The Walking Dead has been a thing. Yeah, like I I jumped into it because they had timed it perfectly. Where the first trade came out with issue number seven so i was able to get the first six issues for 10 bucks and then i bought issue number seven like off the stand at the comic book store like i i was in for that long so like six years of reading this book before i kind of fell off like that's that's a big investment of time especially when it's something like a comic book that's we've 10 years of podcasts. We've only had the Marvel Cinematic Universe for 10 years now at this point. More than half of that, I was reading The Walking Dead. And, I mean, the other thing between, like, just you and me, Chris, is we're horror fans. Like, we spent a whole summer renting every zombie movie we could find at Blockbuster and watching them every couple days, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it was something that, like, oh, this is an ongoing zombie series like you're gonna have that initial like what the movie would be and now these are the people who are gonna live through that 
zombie movie and what their outcomes are going to be and 50 60 issues into something that keeps going is it's a lot it's an investment it's something that like you will start to go like okay i get it already it's not just a it's not a story about zombies but it's a story about these people in a zombie world and i think this is a a fairly fitting end i don't know what's happened in the last like hundred and some odd ep- issues you know like yeah. but for someone who was there at the beginning as you and i were who have watched the show who have known this i think this is an interesting end to that series no i i i agree those those were all of our books Hey, we all oh, the we books. Did it. I thought it was. I did not keep up on Walking Dead, and I didn't watch this series. But I thought it was an interesting Western story with with uh, zombies outside. Like it, it worked. It still works, even if you're if you fell off. I'm, that's all I'm going to say because I didn't know about anything else that you guys were talking about. No, I'm no, like, no worries because no. you didn't you didn't read it. Do we have power rankings? No. I'd say the top, my top three books in no particular order uh, would be Leviathan. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed Black Cat. And I like the Walking Dead book. Like, I, for all different reasons, those are the three I probably enjoyed the most out of the. Eight that we read. Uh, for me, oh. Leviathan is definitely one that I want more of. Same thing with Angel. Um, Walking Dead. It hit me in the nostalgia bone. Like it made me want to be like, oh, you know what? Like maybe I have missed out on the last ten years of comic books. Um, no more than Deceased made me want to pick up number two. Like those are two books that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. But that's that's about it. Everything else was very much middling to to Galaxy's Edge, I guess. So I have to go with uh, Event uh, Leviathan because one, it was a really good book, and also I bought you picked it. I actually bought it. (laughs) Uh, Then two, I would have to go with The Walking Dead. I was surprised how much I actually got roped in. I knew somewhat of the characters, but honestly, it doesn't matter. It's just a solid read of a guy just trying to protect his family. And then three, I have to go with uh, Age of Resistance, Captain Phasma. Because, wow. you know, I think it just shows that she's just a evil character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was I was most excited going in to read uh, Galaxy's Edge because man I've been eating up YouTube yeah. videos, no, uh, podcast, anything. As as I go for a run, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to go there. Like I'm excited. I'm like trying to convince you guys to sign up for the uh, Star Wars Rival Run. Like I'm like guys, there's a 5K, there's a 10K. We could do that. Easy. You expect the chubby me and the tall out of you signed up. You guys signed up for a half marathon. That's because Chris and I were gonna walk and just uh, (laughs) reminisce about bullshit. We were gonna run it. We were gonna walk it and love life. 
Well, they talk, have marathon as talking well. about loving life and walking it, and it's time we walk this one into the barn because we're almost at three, three hours. hours. So hey, It'll ten be years. Down. Thanks for listening. If you have, if you just started tuning in, we appreciate it. We got a lot of old episodes you can check out. Check out the show notes over at bagnaboard.com. Rate and review us on your podcasting thing of choice. Email us bagnaboardcast at gmail.com. Like us on whatever you can find us because this is what we do and we like doing it. And Even if we don't like all the books or beers we drink. And if you like the beers we drank or the books that we read and have something to say about it, let us know. Or if we missed a book that came out in June or July, let us know. Or if there's something we need to read for August, yeah. it's coming up. Do it. <laughs>